I got the Rugrats jingle stuck in my head for some reason. I haven't watched that show in quite a while, 90s kids. You remember that one, the Rugrats, Tommy Pickles? It's a good one. I'm a Rugrat compared to today's guest, repeat guest, Dave Collum, our favorite no-coiner. I think we made some progress, freaks. It's not there yet, not stacking sets yet. I think he he likes me at least. I don't know if, how many of you he likes, especially if you're getting aggressive at his DS. Just stop heckling him. Stop making fun of him. For his gold holdings. He's a good man. He's a strong man. He's standing up. He's speaking out. He's calling out bullshit. Which he knows to be bullshit. We need more men like Dave Collum. <sighs> I guess the, the tenor of this episode was grow a pair. If you're out there. If you're part of the silent majority that knows. That society is going down a weird path. That logic is being thrown to the wayside. The critical thinking is non-existent. Speak up. Stand up. Talk out about, against this madness. There are facts out there. You can use them. You can also use the Cash App. This episode is brought to you by the Cash App. Cash App is helping you stack sats, send sats, receive sats, sell sats, if you so please. I'm saying sats, 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 sats. Because sats are the standard. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of Bitcoin. You stack whole sats. It's 100 million sats in one Bitcoin. You can buy as little as a dollar on the Cash App. You can DCA in the sats. You can buy daily, weekly, or bi-weekly via the app. We're sticking with bi-weekly. I've been going back and forth with this. Somebody hopped in my DMs and said, stay strong, Marty. Stay strong. It's bi-weekly. That means every two weeks, not twice a week. They're changing definitions everywhere. They changed the definition of bi-weekly they're changing the definition of, of herd immunity. They're ta- changing the definition of like domestic terrorists. It's crazy. Bi-weeklies every two weeks. We're not changing that one. We're sticking with that one. Cash App can also be your bank account. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. You get your paychecks direct deposited into the app. Beyond that, what else can you do on the Cash App? They have their boost program. They have their boost card. I'm looking at mine right now. It's neon. It's got the Bitcoin symbol. It's got a lightning bolt. Great conversation starter. Actually, I'm starting to wonder if it's okay for OPSEC. I go to dinner, pay for it. My boost card, maybe the Bitcoin boost is there. I enable that. I get sats back for my dinner. And then I have a nice conversation with the waiter who's trading shit coins. And he asked me, hey, should I, what should I, like, what do you think of Cardano? And I have to say, I, I don't think much of it. I don't think about it at all, honestly. Stack sats on the Cash App. Get away from Binance. Get away from all that other stuff. Cash App only has Bitcoin for a reason. I want to protect you freaks. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure you do so. Use the code StackingSats. That's S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. It's going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. $10 is. And then you're going to get $10 as well. That's Owls Lacrosse. Not Al. That weirdo in sweatpants and a wife beater who beats his wife. Does he even have a wife? I don't know. I think he pretends. I think he just beat a woman beater. I'm kidding. Owls Lacrosse. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle, legendary company, making it so you don't have to sell your Bitcoin if you need liquidity. Hoddle Hoddle has a lending platform, lend.hoddlehoddle.com. It's available to U.S. citizens, one of their only products. I believe their only product, maybe predictions as well, but one of their only, if not their only product available to U.S. citizens because it's non-custodial. They like, traditionally can't offer their services to U.S. citizens because... We live in a surveillance state that really doesn't respect freedom 
and the regulatory regime in this country doesn't want you to to innovate around Bitcoin or be able to interact with Bitcoin and the innovative products being built around it. You, they need you need to be protected. You need to be protected so you can't engage in hodl hodl services. Other than their lend pro- product, lend at hodl hodl is a new non custodial Bitcoin backed lending platform that allows you to engage in peer-to-peer lending and borrowing it's between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. No KYC, no AML. You meet your counterparty. You pick your own terms. If you're short funds, you don't need to sell your Bitcoin. Get some liquidity by borrowing, using your Bitcoin as collateral. And again, they're leveraging Bitcoin's native properties, particularly its multi-sig properties, that allow you to engage in a non-custodial escrow where you hold one key, your counterparty holds one key, and then HODL HODL holds the third key in the two or three multi-sig. This is beneficial because you can always have sight into your sats, into your collateral to make sure it's not being rehypothecated. You know for sure that if you're paying back the loan that you get out in the form of stable coins, uh, you are going to get your sats back at the end of the day. You know that they're there to be sent back to your custody. If you have some stable coins laying around, you're looking to earn great returns. Lend a HODL HODL offers one of the highest returns on the market. So you can enter that as well. Create your offers and set your own terms today at lend.hodlhodl.com. That's lend, L-E-N-D dot H-O-D-L, H-O-D-L dot com. Go check them out. Love those guys. This rope is also brought to you by our good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is trying to get more individuals mining. All right. That's their goal as a company. So what you do, you go to compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. And what you're going to be able to do there, you're going to be able to buy a particular mining model. They've got some. They've got a good amount in stock right now. I was checking their website last night. Just signed a big deal at MicroBT, which sells the what's miners. You pick your miner model. You look at the the specs, the, the terahash, the, the dollars per terahash, the the amount of terahashes produced, the price. You pick your miner model. You pay for your miner, and then alternatively, you can pick a hosting station, uh, hosting facility. Station. Yeah, station sounds cool. Um, so they're also trying to make it so that you can acquire a miner and then alternatively, or not alternatively, but also uh, plug it in into a hosting facility with competitive electricity cost. Uh, that's the one thing, like if you buy a miner, it might be, um, it, 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 you might get it, get it shipped to your house and you plug it into your house. It's loud, it's hot, and you're paying 14 cents a kilowatt hour. It may not be profitable. So Compass is setting up hosting facility deals so that you can plug in uh, at rates that are more competitive, around anywhere from five to seven cents, I believe, maybe even lower. Um, so go check them out. We've got a special link in the show notes if you're interested. Please use that link. Compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. They're trying to get more individuals into mining, which is great for the distribution, uh, the ownership, the distribution of hash rate ownership. I guess we can run with that one. Last but not least, speaking of hash rate. This rip was brought to you by your good friends at Brains. 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 Brains uh, is the team behind Slushbowl. They're the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more sats with your hash. And now they've got a new manager, a mining operation manager. Brains OS Plus Manager. It's an online platform that enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all of their ASICs running Brains OS Plus. This can help miners improve uptime and keep their farms running optimally without the hassle of needing to be on-site 24-7. It's a big thing. You can use as many devices as you want. It's free. Brains OS Plus is free. Uh, or excuse me, the manager is free for any Brains OS Plus miners. Uh, and you can connect, again, to a limited number of devices, your phone, your tablet, your computer, 
whatever you wish. Security and efficiency were top priorities with this manager. So the manager uses Stratum V2 for smaller and less frequent data transfers with all ASIC configuration telemetry data being sent via encrypted connections. Again, this is massive. We've talked about this in the past. The encrypted connections, the the less frequent data transfers prevents eavesdropping and man-in-the-middle attacks. You don't want people jacking your hash rate and stacking sats on behalf of themselves using your hash. Respect yourself. Use the manager. Use Stratum V2 to prevent these attacks. For details on the manager and how to, to set up your mining operation, go to brains.com slash blog, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash blog, and check out the Brains OS Plus Manager Launch article. Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com, last but not least, slash pull is getting its first major update in the past couple of years. We've been saying this. It's like, it's coming. It's coming. When? When? What's minor, Edward? When slush pull update? Edward even's... I'm going to tie you down and pour cheese and oysters into your to your mouth. This stuff doesn't come out soon. The update has been launched just yet. But I can tell you that's going to include an ultra-flexible payout system. Customizable mining, reward splitting, and best of all, dark theme. For 24-7 hash rate monitoring, that's easy on the eyes. Follow slush underscore pool on Twitter to see the announcement when the pool goes live. Enjoy this rip with Dave, one of our most tenured guests on the show, a man who's not afraid to speak truth. He doesn't give a fuck. He's, he's tenured at Columbia, chemistry professor. He's at the point of no fucks. I cannot wait to get I mean, Maybe I'm getting close already. At the young age of 29, I get that. it's maybe the last podcast I'm able to say that. And then we got a rabbit hole recap tomorrow. But speak up. We need strong voices, strong men, strong women. Don't be afraid of the woke mob. Don't be afraid of social pressures. Don't cave to that stuff. Seek truth. Enjoy it, freaks. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. First time it gave me that one. Dave Collum, it's been about a year. How are you doing? I'm good, and you? Good, good. Uh, the title of this episode, I put it up for the live stream, is No Coiner Conversion Therapy Session. Or, uh, <laughs> I seem to remember you saying we wouldn't talk about Bitcoin. How did I know that wouldn't be true? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The, uh, it's, it's just a light jab. I'm not talking about Bitcoin. I'm just going to have this... Um, by Bitcoin. We can talk about anything you want. It's your podcast. Well, I want to talk about how the year has been. It's a crazy year. Um, you know, I never know how the year is until after I write about it. Have you started writing your year in review yet? No, I, I keep notes. All my computers have an open word file. I just paste shit into it. And then at the end of the year, I, I call through about 500 pages of notes. What? Uh, and what are you writing about Fauci? Yeah. Let's talk about. I wrote about him last year. I wrote about him last year. I called him a douchebag last year. Yeah, he's becoming a bigger douchebag though. He's, he's, he's a bigger. Well, he's now a well, well documented douchebag. Yeah, well, the flip flopping. Not only him. Well, 
the World he Health. He was doing it last year. Like, Fauci's been lying to us the whole way. I mean, he's yeah. he. It's just that the adoration of Fauci, which sounds like some famous painting by Da Vinci or something, um, yeah, the adoration of him kept him protected. But now you notice all the the pandemic heroes are going down. You got Cuomo, hmm. Fauci, Gates, right? CNN, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's almost like they're decommissioning those heroes to, to roll in. Yeah. 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 And, Chuck them out of the, the back of the car and drive off. Yeah. Well, the uh, what's the next? Uh, they're coming for climate change next, CNN. Uh, luckily, Project Veritas was able to get some inside info on that. Yeah, I know. So I talked to him. I should be careful because I don't want to name him, but a Stanford psychologist who's a media expert, which in the psychology world, um, that will probably tell people who he is, but I'm not going to name him. And we first connected up due to a chance, chance event. He was doing a poll and he needed a scientist to, to participate. First, I was going to delete it, but he said, if you want to talk about it, give me a call. And I go, oh, that guy's real. Um, and I, afterwards, I checked him out and he, he, had a anti, he had a climate change narrative where he talked about um, the relationship of the media to narratives and, and what moves people's opinion and what happens if an expert says this, what happens if someone else counters, you know, he, he, what happens to the left, to the right. He looks at all these facets. So I sent him an email. So I checked him out and I watched this video and he was pretty neutral, but I, I sent him an email that said, look, I'm going to fess up now. I, I think it's a hoax. I said, I, I think I've done enough due diligence to that I gave him about five paragraphs of why I thought it was total crap. And he, he gets back to me and says, well, I did the same and came to the same conclusion. What's interesting is he was, he had this, he was very naive when I talked to him. I talked to him just um, Sunday on a Zoom, Zoomy. And uh, he had this naive view that if he could debunk the 97% climate change, uh, climate community, um, supports climate change as a crisis, which he, he now can see how bad that stat is, that that would solve the problem. I said, no, you don't understand. It has nothing to do with facts. It has to do with, um, has to do with the narrative, it has to do with whatever they're trying to sell you. Control. They don't care. Dave, I've been well, it's also trillions of dollars. Yeah. It's also trillions of dollars. So it's not just control, but it's the payout. It's just like the bailouts and everything. Trillions of dollars. Yeah, the control over the capital allocation this is the battle we're fighting this week. That's right. That's right. That's right. Fighting consistently due to the nature of what I do. Sorry, there's some air fighter jets right by an air base here. They're going to bomb you right now. They know you're doing this podcast with a seditionist. <laughs> but it's, it's Boom. These people don't care Boom. about the energy. They don't care about the energy. They care about control. And like this become so I've been falling down the energy rabbit hole specifically. I actually talked to, I know you mentioned him. I don't know if it was the last time recorded or the time before Patrick Moore, the, the founder. Mm-hmm. But, you but, talked to Patrick? Yeah, I talked to him on the phone for an hour a couple of weeks ago just uh, about his, his new book. And he, it's just like eye-opening. Um, oh, it's mind-boggling, actually. Yeah, the, Patrick's, so Patrick's one of the countless dozens of people who – who say climate change is crap, who are dismissed as, as therefore nuts. Patrick founded Greenpeace, right? Yeah. He was a devout environmentalist and he just turned on him and said, these guys are nuts. Yeah. He's a marine biologist and right. he's a nuclear advocate. So that's the one thing that's really 
began to like stick at, at me as like an alarm. Like these people don't care about CO2 emissions. They don't care about energy. Not a bit. They're about control. The, the decommissioning of the nuclear power plants across the country, whether it be California most recently, Indian Point on the Hudson in New York, like it's just nonsensical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, last year I wrote about the idea that every industrial revolution through history has been fueled by a, an improved energy source. And we got to the point where nuclear was going to do it. And then we said, nope. And so all of a sudden now we're going to try to fuel the next industrial revolution off, off 17th century Dutch technology. Right. Well, but people are being fed hook, line, and sinker that we're going to transition to solar and wind, and they don't understand the trade-offs that come. Legislatively, legislatively, we'll just legislate it. By the way, Australia has an interesting series of events where they legislatively moved off of coal. They produce more coal than any any country in the world, and they now can't use it because they legislated it into oblivion. So what it has done is it's produced a power grid which is supposedly unstable. And they've had major mishaps because the power grid's unstable. It's not just the availability of energy when you need it. That's not the problem. The problem is that the power grid operates on a frequency, you know, like megahertz sort of thingy. Mm-hmm. And, and when you have a big turbine whipping around at Niagara Falls or some, some turbine whipping around because of a nuclear plant or whatever, um, frequency is very stable. I, you couldn't alter the frequency if you wanted to. There's so much mass to these things, and and then it turns out that um, it turns out that um, that uh, if you feed someone from San Jose, call me. I think I actually know that person, but it, they're probably trying to sell me a warranty. Um, but if you feed this other energy and it's not the right frequency, and you can feed a certain amount in, but then all of a sudden the grid destabilizes. And they don't have it right now, a technical solution to allow a lot of alternative energy to be pumped in the grid. So they had catastrophic blackouts that caused, you know, uh, uh, aluminum plants to half a billion dollars of damage because they, it shut down, things like that. And so it's complete insanity. The world's being run by insane people who don't mm-hmm. either don't understand the trade offs or they're trying to uh, slowly demolish modern society. Something. Well, it could be that um, it, it could be, you know, enemy of the state sort of stuff. Uh, it, you know, I think the uh, I think the odds on favorite now is that if something's happening and you don't know from whence it came, my first guess would be China. Uh, the fact that they're always telling us it's Russia tells us it's not Russia. <laughs> so it's not the Ruskies. They, they're just they're ox carts. Yeah. Are we are we victims of a color revolution? I guess that's the. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, from all angles, whether it be the decommissioning of reliable energy sources, the ESG movement to combine the the energy with the social and governance stuff that mm-hmm. makes uh, corporate boardrooms as woke as possible, um, and essentially makes it impossible to do business or or work with people or be productive um, without without high cost. And at first it looked like the corporate boardroom was just going to, was just humoring people. But it, the problem is it's getting to higher and higher levels now. So it's working its way up and it's no longer just some guy in the mailroom who, whose feelings are hurt. Right? The Secretary of State. Right, right. Well, the Biden administration has been a disappointment. I thought they'd. <laughs> you have high well, I, no, I didn't have high hopes. But, but what I thought would happen is every 
administration is called upon to do something. Apparently, uh, George Bush Jr. was called upon to bomb the shit out of everybody. Um, Obama was kind of called upon to try to get the economy back on its feet. You know, there's a certain sort of things that, that happen to be history. Or Jimmy Carter got shit thrown in him. They all do. Reagan had to retrieve us from a de- a de- an emotional depression, right? We were in kind of a funk after Carter and Reagan had to show us that we were still strong and powerful. And uh, I think Obama's was to heal, right? He had to heal us. And he's, I, you know, maybe I'm just blinded by the fact that I lean right, but it seems that everything he's doing is not about healing. It's about squashing political opposition. And I don't think it's because I'm a right winger. It just looks like it's just a flat out squashing. Well, we haven't talked since the election or like the lead up to the election. Right. You can right. figure it. Like, is that like, is he really doing anything? Biden? himself no 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 when i say biden i mean the administration and i don't think it's harris I, you know people say oh it's obama i don't think it's obama either i think anyone who's in the white house at some level is a puppet right at some level varying degrees of control trump was the least puppetish um and uh so someone's running the country from the white house uh it's super woke it's it's every single appointment that they've made is is one or more affirmative action boxes being checked. And I, the original incarnation of affirmative action to, you know, stop just hiring white guys and start looking for talent elsewhere. I have no problem with that. But but Biden has taken it to a totally new level. He's a totally quota system. So you cannot get a position in the Biden administration without being um either some box checking underrepresented group or Neo kind of wants to bomb the shit out of people. There's some of those. Yeah. And then you, you combine it with just the, the year of nonstop propaganda and nonstop inundation, every walk of life. It's weird, weird time. Like, and that's like, Oh, could they have overplayed it? I think Is it possible that we now are now we don't believe anything. I, I'm suffering a different crisis of authority where I don't believe anything anyone in authority says. And, and to the point where someone, you know, posted some link to Harvard Med School website about COVID and I said I they're lying probably. Yeah. I saw my student posted gave me something from the Mayo Clinic. I said they're lying. They're part of the system that's telling us a narrative. Right. And, and how could you trust them after the last year? Again, the flip flop. The way your hair looks lovely, that silver, that silver headed <laughs> look you got going there. Oh, she's going to really good. She's going to take us to the promised land. Hey, baby. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, how could- yeah, I, I, I've got a crush on her. <laughs> but, By the way, this mug is not as big as it looks. You know what this reminds me of? I finally realized. Remember the Mel Brooks movie? where he goes to pick up a phone that looks like it's way far away and he picks up it's this gigantic thing. That's what this mug reminds me of. <laughs> this, by the way, is Avente. It's no bigger than Avente. Avente. But, but I'll tell you what, 20 ounces. get them on Amazon. You know what I've never done? I've never tipped it over. That's a good thing. You never want to tip it over. It's, it's got a base. It's got a big base. you got a lot of electrical uh, equipment in front of me. It would be bad if I stopped. That's right. I nuked a few things in my day. Yeah. Right. So, um, I've nuked a keyboard or two, but how can yeah. people like, like when we first, 
when COVID was first going on, we, we were talking at the end of February, early March, and we had the lab right. theory early, and we were talking about that. And then mm-hmm. you were talking about- That's it. been around since the beginning, and Fauci's funding of it showed up probably March of 2020. It was very early. Very early. And, and, and Fauci's fibbing started early, but his, his first fibs looked like white lies, and then they just got more and more perverse. Well, then he went on Capitol so. and like overtly lied to Rand Paul about the NA. Mm-hmm. Funny. Mm-hmm. So let's let's dive mm-hmm. into this particular story, right? Like, okay, the NIH what, didn't it fund the particular research into the the bat coronavirus just via proxy? Like he he was able to basically skate uh, any culpability on Capitol Hill when Rand asked him that question. Because there was just it was semantics like a technicality. We're not done with him though, right? Fauci's Fauci's still in the crosshair. So what's actually going to happen to him? They could throw him under the bus, but um, he certainly is. If you search Fauci on Twitter, you just go to Twitter, search Fauci, and just look at what the blue check marks are saying. They're beating the crap out of him. So he is what I now call America's most trusted fraud. Um, but he, for a while, was getting away with it. Um, the funding of there, there's some, there's some things that aren't correct. I think one I think that's not correct is funding research in a Wuhan lab for three million dollars. Three million dollars doesn't buy shit in a in a virology lab. I can guarantee you it's expensive research. So three million dollars would allow you to run a a group a total of probably um, ten or ten or fifteen man years total. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so the money's not it because I'm told the Chinese could afford that. And, uh, and, and but what it was was a collaborative effort between U.S. scientists and Chinese scientists. And more to the point, it appears to have been offshored because it got banned here, and so they sent it over to Wuhan, and they sent our guys over to Wuhan, and then they were the guys who inspected the Wuhan lab and said nothing here spending three hours and talking to a couple of scientists and saying there's no lab leak here. And that was so preposterous that, that the media jumped on that and said, wait, 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 wait. You didn't do anything. And then all of a sudden Jen Pisak Puppet um, is talking at the presidential podium about how it wasn't a satisfactory analysis. I go, you think? Really, Jen? Really? You think? And um, so it's clear that um, what appears to have happened is Obama cut off gain of function research, at least temporarily in 15. And whether it was with his endorsement or whether Fauci did it sort of black ops, he sent it offshore. And then, um, and then um, it may have come back legally. I can't remember what the storyline is on that. It might've been brought back, but um, there's also connections with a Canadian lab. When this COVID first broke out, one of the first stories that said, ooh, something odd, was a case from 2015 where some Canadian researchers smuggled some coronavirus out of the Canadian lab and sent it to Wuhan. Mm-hmm. So, so there's been issues here all along. Um, but then you get Fauci, who, who is clearly the, the spokesperson for the vaccine industrial complex. And, and you go, well, what's that? Well, you're seeing it. I mean, they're making billions now and and they're going to try to make it every year. It's just going to be a cash cow because they're going to try to scare the shit out of us. And it's not just that. None of us are scared anymore. Right. Do you know anyone who's scared? No, 
I, don't. I know people are scared to take their mask off because they don't want to look like douchebags, but that'll take about two weeks. Yeah. The store is already starting to look unmasked. Yeah. It, and, uh, where I am in South Jersey, like a little shore town, like it's been like a month where you can walk in place without masks. What town? What town? In Cape May County. Um, okay. I've by, got several friends down there. By Avalon, New Jersey. Uh, I don't know Avalon. Is that anywhere near Hoboken? That's way north. I'm on the. <laughs> I was just picking. I was giving you a Jersey joke. Um, so in any case, you know um, that the vaccine industrial complex is very real. I wrote about the question of why did Fauci squ- squash all of the therapeutic treatments, which I believe I've read everything I can, and they all seem to work. Ivermectin. And, Ivermectin, HCQ, Ivermectin appears to be the grand slam. Um, Ivermectin's taken people one or two doses right out of ICU. Uh, it, it just, it shouldn't. It actually, the, the disease should have already eaten some organs by then, but it's, it's pulling people right off, right off the goddamn ICU board. And, um, and every, every force in the United States has been to shut it down. And so then the question is why? And then at the end of last year, when I finished writing about it, and I knew it was being squashed, but I didn't know the whole story. Some guy sent me an email and said, you're missing one critical puzzle piece. And I think this is now common knowledge, but um, he sent me a screen grab of the statute that describes what it takes to release a vaccine under emergency conditions. And the screen grab says right there in King's English, there can be no alternative. So they had to squash the alternatives. That's it. That's the story. Oh, so the, an alternative being like ivermectin, like not not a back, not an alternative vaccine. No, no, just uh, the, to release an emergency vaccine, it's got to be a dire, no other choice option, and yeah. ivermectin was it. So they had to squash it. So was the, uh, the demonization of hydroxychloroquine? Was it more, well, or was that to get the the emergency order through? Well. They had to do it, but the reason ivermectin just got buried, whereas HCQ got a, got trampled, was because Trump supported it. So that's so so that it's at least on the surface had the appearance of an anti-Trump move, and that we know that anything Trump says, there's going to be 75 million people in the country who oppose whatever he could say. You know, free food for everyone. Boom, they oppose it. Um, and, uh, and so that it had the appearance of that, but it was it was it had to be done anyways, I think. And so um, and so, yeah, so they squash it. And there's doctors out there, some really prominent ones saying this stuff works really well. But there's also clinical trials. And every time you ask one of the local douchebags in the United States, like Fauci or the other pathological liars in this game, um, they always say there's no data. I'm going it's 15 fucking months later. You, what you should be fired. You have no data on that. You didn't start clinical trials when the word went out. You didn't say, Hey, let's give it to 500 goddamn people and see what happens. Right. Right. And when they did the HCQ trials, by the way, this is what I did write about. Um, the HCQ trials, they kept sandbagging them. They give them to people who are essentially dead or they give them to people without the zinc or they give them to people without the azithromycin. They'd even talk about how zinc and azithromycin are supposed to help and then not give it to them. So they, they appeared to be sabotaged. It was fraud, right? There's the big article about HCQ that said it doesn't do anything. It turned out to be completely fabricated. The Lancet one. And yeah, the Lancet one. And so there was all sorts of, of really, really sleazy shit to shoot down HCQ. But it served the, served the dual purpose of saying Trump's an idiot, right? 
felt. So that made it complicated to understand what you were seeing. But very, then when ivermectin got buried. It was very confusing. It was very confusing here. The logical, so, particularly with the mask for me, were like really what pissed me off. It was like, I, should I put my mask on? <laughs> um, so, so Fauci should be brought to the Hague or Nuremberg or something. I, he should be, he should be, he should be convicted of, of crimes against humanity. What about the connection with his wife? Doesn't his wife have some close proximity to the, to the vaccine industry? Well, let me do a quick grammatical check. Close proximity is redundant. Proximity means closeness. Okay, I'm sorry. It's proximate for your, for your viewers. This one is a bug up my ass. For your viewers, when I say close proximity, what you want to say is proximate. Proximate. It's useful to know. Proximate is proximate. Um, I am a, a born again linguist. Um, I don't, I, I read something about his wife just the other day. Tell me about it. Cause I didn't pick up anything on his wife. From what I understand, um, the no agenda crew, Adam Carey and John C. Dvorak were covering this in the summer. Um, and apparently his wife has some say in vaccine, like <coughs> uh, connected to vaccine push throughs at the FDA or something like that. I mean, if I recall, it's the top of my head. Haven't heard the theory since like last summer or the, the connection since now they're pushing on the kids too. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just crazy. They're given, they, they're given this experimental med, which, which so far, you know, I've, I've heard stories of it killing lots of people. I've heard stories of it causing sterilization. I've heard all these things. Very difficult to know what's true and what's internet legend, right? Yeah. But you, I watch, you know, panels of five OBGYN docs saying that their patients who are getting vaccinated are all coming in sterile as shit and fucked up menstrual periods and everything. Everything's screwed up. And if if there's a problem here, we're going to find out pretty soon because we're going to start saying, you know, doctors who deliver kids and stuff are going to say, you know, we're not getting a lot of business here right now. Yeah. And and so I stalled to get the I got the vaccine. I stalled. I got the vaccine because my employer said you got to get the vaccine. And so it was either oh. vaccinated or don't work. Oh. Right. You should have. You should have filed a lawsuit. No, it's not one worth fighting for me. Uh, what I did is I saw long enough where I could say, okay, there have been so many million vaccinations. Uh, here's a quick math. I do this almost every podcast. Uh, per month, 200,000 people die who are over 70. That's just the stats. In any given year, any given month, 200 people die. Maybe more in the winter than the summer. I don't know. But 200 people, 200,000 people die. During the month of October and November of, of 2020, of those 200,000 per month that would die anyways, probably 100,000 of them got vaccinated, which means there's 100,000 families who think the vaccine killed their parents, mm. right? Oh, I walked up the door and had a heart attack. I go, well, you know, in that age bracket, that happens. And, and you, those are going to be spectacular looking stories. But statistically, we had to have 100,000 people die within weeks of the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's like one thing around the vaccine conversation, that nuance of the, like the, the age. Um, yeah. It really changes the risk reward. Of, of Yeah, the younger you get, the stupider it gets. Yeah, but you shouldn't be giving it to... to and then where I, where I lost it on the um, CDC where I realized the CDC were pathological was a tweet, which you've probably seen, but um, they posted a picture of a pregnant woman. This was back 
in, uh, I remember because I just reposted back in December of 2020. So the vaccine had been, when did they start vaccinating? The, the trials were sometime in the summer. Yeah. But, the, uh, but, but they hadn't started vaccinating people until about then. And so what happened is it, it says, it's a CDC Twitter feed. And it's not like they're drunk tweeting, right? This is not, this is not some person who's getting stoned and tweeting. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, and it said there is no data, red flag, but there's no reason why pregnant women shouldn't get vaccinated. Now, right away, I'm going, dudes, pregnant women are told not to drink a glass of wine. So vaccinating a little glob of rapidly expanding cells counts with something that we don't know shit about. You think that's a smart move? Where it got pathological is when it said, of course, you could talk to your doctor, but there is no reason to. And that's in there because they're saying, because we know at the CDC that if you ask your doctor, they're going to say, what the fuck are you doing? Why would you ever consider that? Right. No doctor with that. If, if you're a doctor listening to this and you think vaccinating a pregnant woman is a good idea, turn in your fucking license. You're an idiot. Hey. And, and you discover if vaccinating pregnant women or giving them a drug or giving them anything is is OK by mistake. They don't take soccer moms and pregnate them and then start feeding, you know, Vioxx at them or whatever. They, 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 it happens by mistake. If you're pregnant, they give you shit like Valium, which has been around since the dawn of time. They give you, you know, amoxicillin. They give you things that they've said, look, this would have shown up long ago if it was a problem. They don't give you experimental stuff. Yeah. They shouldn't put it that way. I know a couple of of pregnant girls who got the vaccine because up here in the Northeast, in New York City, they were advising them to. Well, that's psychotic. That's pathological lying. That that's just I I just I I can't fathom how that's remotely rational. I'd love that. I'd love to have a chat with someone who thinks that's a good idea. I would too. Luckily, I they get a piece to me. They they I would just rip their face off. Well, we've used it. My wife. Let's use it as an excuse not to get it because we're we want to have another child relatively soon. And we could always get another wife though. <laughs> oh, Dave. You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we... I haven't seen her yet. She might be a total keeper, so <laughs> uh she's right here. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Dump her. Yeah. Dump her. No, but it's like that, that I mean yeah. So it has everybody like uh, gotten more calm yes but because of the vaccine at least where i am my family my extended friend group up here in the northeast philly is insane like, and we're staying down here at the shore because like being in the city just it's scary like you walk around they have all the kids are wearing masks everybody's wearing masks outside like not near anybody um it's the, the propaganda has been crazy so we went home for my parents anniversary in december had a nice dinner had like we couldn't go to a restaurant so we had to like hire a chef and come cook for my parents um and uh my wife and i are ubering from her parents house to where we're eating dinner and in the course of a 20 minute uber ride across philadelphia there's three three like public service announcement commercials just like wear a mask save a life wear a mask save a life wear a mask right And, and and they don't say what kind of mask no, 
So they don't care that you're wearing a fucking bandana across your face, which, which achieves nothing. In fact, in fact, strong evidence from pre-COVID shows that, that anything that's short of an, uh, one of these M95, I was never know, MN95 masks that's, that's been fit to you doesn't do shit. They, they've looked at the effects of masks on pandemics. They don't do anything. And people say, oh, how is that possible? Because the pandemic runs its course, right? That's like putting sandbags in front of your house in the middle of a hurricane, right? It's just, it's coming. Yeah. You know, get the hell out of there, come back, clean up the mess. And, and the, the other way I like to describe it is, is if you put stones in a stream, um, it'll divert the water. But at the end of the day, the same amount of water ends up downstream. So you can possibly prevent yourself from passing the goodies off to someone else in a specific situation, but that pandemic's going to roll. It's going gonna, it's gonna to do its thing. It's so crazy how politicized the masks were. Like, right. I was a, I mean, they would label me an anti-masker, but I was like, this is legitimately stupid. I'm not like preventing myself. From, it's not doing anything. Right. It's, it's, well, you know, if, if they had masked us up until June or something, I would have said, okay, that would have been fine, but they didn't. And then they started talking, Fauci started talking about double masking, which I'm thinking, you know, you need a, you need a, heavy duty plastic bag over your head, Dr. Fauci, make sure you put a rubber band around the neck part. And while you're in there, make it transparent. You can read the final exit on your way out the door. Um, no, he's just, he's a, an idiot, a psychopath. Uh, I, 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 there's, he's right up there with Powell. I, he's, I, I just, I'm sick of people lying to me. Well, you got to turn off the news. That's, that's like that's the other. well well but then the question is do you go to the do you, do you end up going moving into the future unaware of what's happening right I've I've asked that my brother and I talk all the time we talk about the question would it be better to just not know now would it just turn it off and just just move forward I think so I think so. Uh, it could be it could After be the election all their all their ratings are plummeting like that they only they only they only well, I don't watch the news news. I mean, occasionally I do because my wife turns it on and then Fauci will come on and I'll start throwing shoes at the screen and uh, or, or Brian Stelter will come on or something. Wow. And I'll go, hey, do you know that he lies at everything he says? Right. Um, so uh, so we can't really watch the news because we watch the two opposite ends of the spectrum if we watch it. And uh but now it's bloggers. Yes, you know, reading Glenn Greenwald or Matt Taibbi. There, there are some guys who are trying to get it right. They might not have it all right, but they're trying. No, um, respect. Comic Dave Smith. He's going to run for president. He's a legend. His, I mean, his. He's a legend. His episode on Rogan got Rogan in trouble because Rogan said, "Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of yourself. You'll be fine, right?" Yeah. So, so what? So what? He said that. Oh well, you know. Oh, the left doesn't like that. He's right, though. If you go into it with comorbidities, you're going to die. If you go into it healthy, you're not as likely to die. That's a whole other thing. Like 80% had comorbidities or were obese, and yet that does not. Actually, 94 was the number I saw. Really? 94. Yeah. Yeah. According to CDC's own numbers, they said only 10%, uh, 6% died of just pure COVID. And I would say with no detected comorbidities how do you know what they had 
Oh, they're juking the numbers, by the way, on, on the case counts now. So they juke the numbers on the way up case counts and think deaths and stuff like that, because the, you know, the payouts, the incentives were all wrong. You get 13,500. If you, if, if the guy got hit by a car also had COVID um, and then you call it a COVID death, but they're juking the numbers now on, on the, um, on the case counts. So they juked them on the way up by the PCR test keeps replicating. And, and if you replicate it enough, you get a hit. You can replicate almost anything into existence if you go high enough. And so you go through like 45 cycles, you get a hit and a lot of false positives. And so that juked up the numbers. Now what they're doing is, is they're juking down the numbers on the, the tests being done on post-vaccinated people. So now they're dropping it down to like 25 so that they won't get hits. Because so, that says, yeah, see, the vaccine worked. Yeah. The vaccine worked. Well, and that was like another thing that came to light throughout all that. It's the nuance of the PCR test. Like the dude who created it hated Fauci. He's a little nuts. Yeah. He's, I would have told you that five years ago if you'd asked me. Um, he's a quirky, quirky guy, you know, sort of on the spectrum scientist. And I don't know if there's, I don't know, it's not my field, but, but the PCR test could, could have been invented by a mediocre scientist who just got lucky. So there's some things that are just flat out genius where the, 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 it required tremendous persistence and diligence and genius. You know, Mullis could have been in the lab one night, got wads of DNA for reasons he didn't understand. Say, holy shit, I just created billions of copies. What just happened? Right. So he is smart enough to find out and get the Nobel Prize, but he could have woken up on third base, thinks he had a triple. I, I just don't know. I don't know the backstory of, of Mullis, but he's quirky. I think that's a backstory I would have told you before COVID. Yeah. But it was odd that he, before any of this started. He hates know, Fauci. How he, but not only that, but like how he was misrepresenting his tests and misusing it. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fauci to the Hague. I'm I'm down for it. I mean, I'm totally down for it. Just because like it's driving people crazy at this point, especially like, all right, now that you have your vaccine, if you're between one and two, you, you don't have to wear your mask inside. That's the, like, it's I, nuts. What they did to the kids is inhumane. It's it's inhumane and people should be held to account. Like again, it, well, so I don't understand why the parents didn't just say, screw that. Let's have, let's start a send our kids maskless to school. Well, that's what worries me. So many people were willing to just take, mask up, mask up, take Fauci's orders, and believe everything. Hook, line, and sinker. It was the great sheep experiment, and it worked. And so now, now they now they know what they can tell us to do. So that's the big experiment. Where did they go next? Uh, climate change. Yeah, I was. But, you know that CNN guy nailed it. He's correct. Well, it's not climate change anymore. It's climate emergency. See, they, they already climate crisis. Climate crisis. It's climate emergency. They're starting to change the the wording around it to justify climate lockdown. So, out comes Steve Coonan, uh, emerges this year. NYU professor. And, yeah, former uh, former Caltech provost, former physicist, former Obama t- chief scientific advisor. And he comes out and he basically says it's all crap. Just like the year before, Michael Moore came out and said the climate industrial complex is the problem, not not 
not the goddamn oil companies. And uh, so Kunin comes out. And of course, Kunin, I think that hedges bets is saying, you know, it's not that it's not real, which I think he's looking at going, but it might not be real. But I think he's trying to look moderate, but he's saying it's not a crisis. And so his story is that if you actually go into the IPCC reports, and I've tried to read those, they're pretty awful reading. I'd rather sort of read the Chinese phone book. Uh, but he says, if you go into the IPCC reports, they do not say what the media is saying. And he's got some classic quotes. You know, For example, there's no statistical evidence whatsoever of increased hurricane or, or, or tornado activity over the 20th century. Now, that was already known, but he pulled it out of the IPCC report and quotes him. It says there's no statistical evidence of it and things like that. So you get the, you get the climate clowns, which I should be more forgiving, but I'm just growing weary, um, who, who think they can see climate change. I keep saying to my wife, she'll mention climate change. And, and the one lobe says, I know Dave's kind of right. And the other lobe says, go to climate change. Um, but they think they can see it. They go, oh, look at this. Oh, the trees are turning, turning, you know, leaves are turning brown earlier in the year. So I, who knows what? Everything you can see is climate change. If climate change is roaring forward in, in all its glory, you can't see it. You can't see it at all. It's, it's too incremental. A hundred years of, of roaring climate change will do what, if it does what they say it's going to do, on a per year basis, you can't see anything. Now, there's all sorts of evidence that it's also not doing that. But, but, but the people who think they can see it, they've got to wake up. You can't see it. You can't say, oh, my God, this hurricane is because of climate change. That's the scientifically most illiterate idea I can imagine. I hear it out of scientists. That's what's so stunning to me. Okay. Are you that goddamn stupid? I t- so we, we need strong men like yourself to stand up and start fighting back against this nonsense. Right? I try. Well, no, we, we need more. Anybody listening to this who we need more sitting there silently and like, quit being a pussy. is another way of putting it right. Grow a fucking pair. It's time. Grow a fucking pair. It's time to step forward. Say, oh, by the way, I don't buy it either. Yeah. I do Twitter polls. 75% don't think it's a problem. So, so the majority get it. Now, Again, you say that's your Twitter feed, but as soon as you get retweeted, it starts escaping the containment field and stuff like that. Although, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it takes to really get outside my influence, but um, but a lot of people doubt it. It's used by every imaginable person, organization with an agenda to to achieve their 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 goals. Yeah, I mean, we're, the the whole ESG movement that's blown up in the last totally few, specifically totally. last. 12 months is insane. so if you're collecting a trillion a year that's what the climate industrial complex is it's a trillion a year so everyone says oh big oil right big oil is paying you to say this shit i wish big oil would pay me hey if you're in big oil out there send me a fucking check i'll get more active disclaimer i make money off of big oil and gas so just not really i buy it um and uh and it's not big oil big oil big oil is not even afraid of climate change because because they know we can't get away from fossil fuels. They know it. I don't think, I don't think excess are going, oh my God, what if solar panels put us out of business? These guys know exactly what can't be done. So that's the, that's the thing, the enraging thing, right? Is the, the carbon credit accounting scam. That's a total scam. 
total scam. Wind turbine. Elon Musk scam. Elon Musk scam. The wind turbines, the the mm-hmm. solar panels. Like they just look at the end product, see it doesn't produce emissions, and they're just like, oh, green energy. You get. They don't your- look at what, how you make them. You're allowed exactly, and it's made with increasing amounts of coal and slave labor in China. And nobody and wants. To- they're a toxic waste dump too. Yeah. The the, the 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 devices themselves are toxic as shit. And you can't recycle. Non recyclable. And well, if you do want to recycle them, guess what you need? Coal. And you need to get like the- nasty shit. You need more than that. You need things like aqua regia, which is this incredibly toxic, noxious chemical. Things like that to to recycle them. You don't just pull metals out of appliances. Like, so is it the the energy industrial complex move? But they're they're trying to move us towards this stuff. It's unreliable. It's dirty. But they're getting a tr- there's a trillion dollars being handed out every year. But who's produced exactly? So that's all right. Follow the money. Where does that trillion dollars come from, and why are they handing it out in this way? Do they truly care about green? Well, so it's it's going to solar panel makers wind turbine makers, uh, electric vehicle makers, Elon Musk. Um, it's going to organizations who apply for grants to green things up. It's, it's going to, um, it's, it's, you know, the federal reserve is using it as an excuse to print money. Uh, and, and so, so the question is when you flood the world with a trillion dollars, you've got a trillion dollars worth of goodwill to make sure that that narrative keeps moving. Why do they want that narrative moving? That's like, is because it the, a trillion dollars? But they're getting rich. Why are they? But it's being produced by people, like on the back end, to incentivize those people to go get rich, right? Like, right. why? Why is this incentive structure being set up? Why are they moving us towards these unreliable? Because they turn around and bribe politicians to make sure it gets pushed. So it's a big loop. Yeah. Right. So, so that's the problem with big government. This is the Dave Smith argument. Right. When government, when government was 3% of the system back at the turn of the century, they could be corrupt as shit. It didn't matter because they were a pimple on the system. So it could be Tammany Hall. It could be my, my wife's great, great grandfather. Something was named Alonzo Cornell of Cornell fame. Um, he was in with Chester Arthur and these guys was sort of post civil war, you know, glomming onto wealth and power and shit. And, um, but they were tiny. The world was being run by industrialists and they were raping and pillaging the land. If you wish to, to look at it that way, they were exploiting, you know, child labor. They were doing all sorts of things that would not be considered very cool today, but it, the government wasn't there. The government, it was the absence of government that was there. Now there were some things like the railroad tycoons got government handouts from federal land going west and stuff like that. So, so, so it did exist, but now the government's 50% of the system and they're willing to print the money coming more and more every day. Right. And so now you've got so many people look at all the people say, Oh, don't cut off the stimulus check. So they're going to, people are going to say, Oh, another stimulus check would be great. Keep it going. So they're going to get, 250 billion total, maybe, in a in a bill that's going to have another two trillion in it, and they somehow think that that getting their four percent or whatever that number comes to, um, is 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 good, it's better than nothing, and so everyone signs off. So you bribe the plebs, you you buy them off for pennies on the dollar, they're serfs, whatever, to give again huge amounts of money to people. 
just follow where the two trillion went. Wherever it went, those people like it. Yeah. And those people will support it again. Two trillion dollars buys a lot of favors. Lots is a lot going to like these hedge fund types to go buy up real estate, push up the prices and kick fat. Right. Twenty five percent of houses being bought today are being bought by hedge funds. It's insane. It's and, and the problem is is that normally buying a single family house is a shitty business. You lose money. If you own a house and you rent it, if you look at the cost of maintaining it and the costs of the costs of the capital under normal circumstances, you you can't make money. But when they drive the cost of capital to zero, then you can make a wafer thin margin. And then what do you do? You lever up. Yeah. You make a wafer thin margin, multiply it times 10 or 20, and you print money. It's disgusting. It's mm-hmm. Well, so that's the other thing. Like all this money printing inflation. They're trying to tell you it's not there. Fed was shocked. So, so this morning, Stephen Roach wrote an article. Another San, uh, Stan Druckenmiller. You read the Druckenmiller op-ed in Wall Street Journal? Mm-hmm. So Druckenmiller um, wrote an op-ed. I, 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 couldn't have, I couldn't have done a better job with a baseball bat in each hand. I, I just, there's just, Stan just took the Fed behind the barn and just beat them senseless, buried them in a shallow grave. He hit every topic and he called them out and it had to rattle the Fed because Stan is God. Well, Stephen Roach is no slouch either. And Stephen Roach just came out and said that the Fed is acting like uh, Arthur Burns back in the seventies. And he does this beautiful job of showing how Burns thought Everything that was inflating was transitory, therefore take it out of the CPI. And he just he didn't believe any of the things that were going up in price for inflationary. And so he didn't he didn't believe monetary policy was at issue. He thought everything was just a one off. And Roach wrote this article and I just post on Twitter. So if someone's listening, you can go to my Twitter feed. It's pretty recent with one of the last two or three tweets of the morning. And um, and uh he beats them senseless. So there's smart guys out there saying, you guys are destroying the system. You're destroying the system. And, and if we end up in some real nasty, conflicted, civil war-like thing, who's it? George Carlin said, how, how can a war be civil? Right. <laughs> Good question. Um, but if we end up in a highly conflicted situation, you, you can blame you can blame the guys at the top who just somehow were unable to see that that civilized societies have to have some sort of level of fairness in them. Well, it's scary. Like, so April 17th last year, I wrote uh, a newsletter saying how the, the reaction to COVID lockdowns, the money printing particularly, reminded me a lot about the, the lead up to the hyperinflationary event in Weimar Republic. Not exactly the same, but very similar. Mm-hmm. Weimar owed reparations. The French came occupied the territory. Leaders of Weimar told the factory workers, don't go to work. We'll print money and give it to you. We don't want to give these guys reparations uh, with, with this. Um, well, I think what's complicated about that is I think the reparations were not denominated in marks. They were right. denominated in gold. Yeah. And, and so the, what they did is they created a, a, a Weimar Deutschmark inflation, but not a, it didn't inflate away their debt. That's the problem. Their debt was in denominating gold. Yeah. yeah. And so it kind of it kind of created a mess without that didn't wasn't even theoretically going to help the problem. Yeah, but and, I, um, I think it was just like internal, right? Like the they were like, all right, the French are here occupying us, fuck them. 
they they want oh to, it could have been that it could have been a big fuck you yeah they want to collect reparations um, by taking our factory productivity so we're not going to go work in the factories we'll just print money and get oh it. that i get that i get yeah and it, and and so um Was that similar? so last last year no one did anything right we we didn't create anything we created no wealth we we completely it's everyone went on vacation for a year and and so somehow with all the money printing, everyone feels wealthier, even though we created precisely zero wealth that year. Right? We destroyed jobs. We destroyed businesses. We destroyed so much. We corporatized. So we knocked out every last vestige of the mom and pop. So anything that didn't have access to cheap capital, free handouts, big quantities was wiped out. Completely destroyed. And- right. And there's so many other parallels too, like the in Weimar, the the paper boy was making money in the stock market and bragging about it. Now next year we have mm-hmm. stock stars, Wall Street bets, crypto. Yeah. Well, crypto is clearly a free market response to bad monetary policy and fiscal policy. Right. I mean, someone wants to describe derivatives that way. So you know, derivatives get pounded pretty hard for being these hyper leveraged too many long since overstayed their welcome, right? So derivatives were first invented as insurance policies. You pay a 3% premium to protect yourself against some financial event like a drop in soybean price or something like that. And then they became a speculative tool and they were no longer of any real value. I, I don't see any, I've yet to see a socially redeeming value for the quadrillion. I, I actually heard it's over two quadrillion now, which means it's, it's almost quadrupled in about 20 years. Um, but there's no, there's no upside to those. There's, there, I can't think of what the derivatives market is supposed to do. It's no longer a hedge. You don't need four, you don't need two quadrillion dollars worth of derivatives to hedge a system that isn't even worth that. That's no, a hyper financialization of the economy, right? Right. I mean, levering up X times over. Right. So they financialized our houses. They're financializing our food. So, so the, the cost of lumber is not going up because of the supply demand. It's just got to be, it's got to be the lumber's futures market that's doing it. So, you don't think, I think so. It's not getting back to work soon enough or I, I, you know, I, I don't think so actually. I, it, it, the, the price moves were too abrupt. Yeah. The market responds more slowly than that. Have you talked to any developers? Well, no, no, they're screwed now. Oh, I know. They're screwed. There's houses on hold because they, they're not going to buy the goddamn wood, the supplies. Yeah, it's insane. So I have to build a screen door that put a dog door into my house. <laughs> I have to buy a sheet of one-inch plywood. It's the second mortgage in the current pricing scheme. Right? Right. Uh, but, uh, my wife and I were walking to, uh, walking to the boardwalk earlier this week and there's somebody building a deck down the street and she was just joking like pointing at the pile of wood she's like that's probably worth a million dollars it's like you shouldn't leave it out right someone will steal it who is it i think it was uh qtr said uh said they're smuggling lumber in with cocaine from south america (laughs) (laughs) i would not be surprised i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that one i'm gonna steal that one um yeah and so i but it i don't think it's just a supply shock it doesn't feel like it to me. I don't have hard data to support that, mm-hmm. but it it doesn't feel right. 
feels uh, too, too abrupt. Well, for one thing, we weren't building anything during the time we weren't creating any lumber. Well, the theory is people forced to stay home from work, getting money airdropped into their bank accounts, wanted to remodel their home. They got nothing to do. So go out, buy some. I don't think there's that many people who know how to remodel their house. <laughs> right. That's the remodelers. They have to be a, a single digit percentage of the lumber consumption. Yeah. That's one of the theories. So, 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 so the gist is, is that we didn't have supply. We didn't have demand, I think. And, and, and I think they could have, for one thing, the lumber that we're buying now, I don't know when it was cut. Do you know how long it takes a, a tree to get to Home Depot? Um, no. No idea. One could argue the supply shock shouldn't even be due for another year or two. Because they have so much backup or they can just. Well, it takes a while for wood age. Uh, you don't sell raw lumber. Uh, I didn't realize that. I had this great idea too late in my life, and I shot it down, but to buy dirt cheap land somewhere, something where the land can't do anything, right? It's not of any value for anything. You know, a field somewhere in the middle of, you know, by fuck, whatever, and plant um, walnut saplings. And then just let them grow for 50 years and retire on the goddamn lumber, lumber right? The problem was that the, 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 uh, what, what shot down the idea, besides the fact that I thought of it when I was about 55 years old, but I still happily do it for my kids or something, but was that if someone discovered, you know, 50 acres of walnut, they'd cut it down on me. Right. And supposedly that's happening now. People are stealing trees. Stealing trees from ledges, like they're going in with chainsaws in the dark of night, uh, cutting trees. Got it. We got like moon shining coming to tree. But but I don't I don't know. So that is a question. How how long does it take for lumber to get from from logging to your deck? Right now they they have kilns, so I don't know what. But the, I I would I always figure there's kind of a backlog. Backlog. There's a phrase, right? That seems to apply to lumber. Um, the the you know you see you see lumber yards, the ones where they create the lumber, right? There's one not far from my house, and it's it's a shitload. Those are not retail stacks. Those are those are long term stacks. Yeah. But lumber went up. How fast to go up in like uh, two, two months? Well, I'm like two thousand percent from July to beginning of this month. That doesn't sound like a supply shock to me. So, yeah. So what do you think it is like financialization, just money being printed? Well, so doesn't the lumber get priced in the lumber's futures market? Yeah. Yeah. So I got an argument decades ago on what was called the Prudent Bear chat board before Twitter, before anything. It was this chat board that started in the very end of the 90s. And it was a bunch of bears. It was not just a bunch of bears. It was every bear on the planet because there weren't many. And some of them were incredibly connected guys or Goldman guys and stuff there. I didn't know it until later when some guy, you know, they'd start reaching out to me and say, oh, by the way, I work at Goldman. By the way, I'm the commodities trader at uh, whatever, Morgan Stanley. Um, and uh, some guys said, no, the price of oil is not supply demand. It's determined in the futures market. I said, but, but at the end of the day, you got to supply. And he says, but that's not how it works. So this is like the precious metals market where the, the gold goldlers, 
are saying that, look, they're dictating the price in the futures market, jerking us around. The paper, the paper market. The paper. And, and the paper market, to the extent that it draws demand away from the physical, it's got to be suppressing the price. Now, that might not be the purpose. So it might not be, you know, the conspiracy, which I'm happy to be a conspiracy theorist, a devout conspiracy theorist. But it doesn't have to be to conspire to suppress the price of gold as much as just they saw money to be made. Yeah. So they open up a futures market and that's the effect. But if you if the lumber futures becomes a speculative play toy, just like the housing markets become a speculative play toy, just like NFTs have become a speculative play toy, your, your laser eyed hodlers can can be enthusiastic all they want. They're never going to convince me the NFTs are anything but a horrific joke. Uh, the They're, audience of this podcast would agree with you. I, I don't doubt it because I think your podcast probably got smart hodlers. Um, but but it's insane unless it's something else like money laundering or something like that. And then you go, okay. Well, it's an extension of the yield curve, right? That chase for yield is just being extended. Like the housing market is used with lumber. It's like, all right, if we're speculating on housing, what's the thing further out on the curve? Well, and, and somehow if the price is being dictated in the futures market, then you run up the futures, you run up the price. Yeah, again, Weimar things. This is what happened in Weimar, right? They ran up. I know. You know, in Japan, um, in the 80s, one of the problems that happened was um, not just that the equities got overpriced, which they did, but uh, but companies became unproductive and they, they, they started tallying up their net worth by their value of their real estate. And so when a company no longer... When everyone becomes Tesla, then you've you've got a problem. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Tesla's even Tesla's even the largest maker of EVs, right? They're they're speaking of bubbles. Yeah, well, Tesla again further out in the yield curve. They're more speculative. Nikola, uh, <laughs> Nikola, Nikola. Um, yeah, exactly. So these are all symptoms. And again, I know you got an audience full of hodlers. Do you have anyone in the audience who's not? Uh, maybe Probably some. not, right? Pre-coiners. Pre-coiners, yeah. Pre-coiners, right? right. Pre-pedophiles. Sorry, guys. I had to say it. <laughs> um, hey. And, uh, I know, I'm just doing it. I'm trying to get more Twitter followers. Um, just what I need is more Twitter followers. Um, no, no, but uh, Bitcoin, gold, futures, Housing, they're all, they're all, they're all consequences of uh, bad monitoring fiscal policy. Well, then it's leaked into the job market, right? Like you start airdropping money in people's bank accounts, you give them bigs on their unemployment, and it's like, oh shit, I'm making more money. Well, <laughs> so the story they're not telling, I think, I'm a little vague on this because I, I just picked up some numbers from a guy named Wolf Richter, I think. Um, you hear about there's seven million jobs that can't be filled. Mm-hmm. Right. What they're not, what I think is true that there's like 14 million people who are refusing to fill them. Yeah. So the perception that there's a shortage of workers, that there's so much employment available is actually not correct. They, they can't get together, but, but there's way more people who are going to need jobs as soon as the money spigot turns off oh, than yeah. there are jobs. So we destroyed a ton of jobs. Yeah. And so we're going to go from 
if they turn off the spigots overnight, we're going to go from 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 way not enough workers to way too many workers overnight. Two men for a job. Right. By the way, if I if I'm running a business to some guy, I can't get him to come back to work. When it's finally time to hire someone, I'm not hiring that bastard. I would, you know, if I was, I've been saying this for at least a year now. If I worked in, say, I had, I went to a Greek restaurant and the guy said, we, I just can't get anyone to help in here. If I was some low level worker, I don't mean low morally, but just low in terms of the socioeconomic ladder, dishwasher, um, dishwasher or something. I'd figure out where I would like to be when this whole thing's over and go to those guys and say, I'll work for you. Pay me anything you can under the table. I'll help you out through this. When that's over as an employer, I'm hiring that guy. Agreed. It's just like I always tell my son. I said, look, if you ever find yourself unemployed, get a job. You don't want to be sitting in an interview and have someone say, what did you do for the last six months? Oh, I sat on my ass. No, you want to say, look, life moves on. I worked at McDonald's. That's what you do when you get it. That's the guy I hired. So um, so I would have gone and found, if I was in one of those positions, I would have gone and found uh, some restaurant, say I, I could upgrade, do, uh, you know, Shea, whatever. Um, I would have gone to them and said, I'll work for you. Pay me under the table. Pay me just the tips, I, whatever. Do what you can. I'll work for you. Get out there. Or, hey, you don't want to be sitting on your ass smoking pot watching Netflix all day. It's not good for your health. Oh, I, I don't know. That sounds pretty good to me. All of a sudden, you really, you really sold it. <laughs> That's if, if I, if I, if I didn't think a Netflix sucks and b I don't smoke pot anymore because I, I hit my life's quota by the time I was about fourteen. So, I think I've hit my life's quota on pot too. I don't, I don't indulge too much anymore. Uh, but what does this do? Like. That's another thing I've been saying. Like the economy isn't a light switch. You can't just flip it off and then back on. Well, so that's where that's where I think the narrative is really out of whack. I, I think this idea that we're spring loaded, waiting to come roaring out of this mess. I just don't buy it. I, I don't think you can. That's like uh, that's like some guy who's in a bad car accident. He's in shock and doesn't yet know that he's in deep shit trouble, right? Uh, Stacy Moskowitz. She got shot by Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. Remember Son of Sam? Oh, yeah. She takes a bullet right in the head. She's walking around the crime scene with a bullet in her head, not knowing she's uh, heading to the light. Because there was this period of just not knowing she was dead. She was going to die. And and so I think I think I don't think this economy could possibly go through what it went through without systemically deep damage. I so mean, the damage is there already. People don't realize it. Well, because they're getting paid to not realize it. And, and then there's some people who are receiving the, that money, who are running stores. And they're, they, you know, gardening stores are doing really well and stuff. And so there's, it's just it's papering over a lot, of, um, a lot of wounds. And I just think when it's finally time to get back to reality, which could be brought upon us by inflation being just inescapable there, which I think it is already. But but when I say inescapable, it's so, so obvious that a Fed governor could spot it, that level of obvious. How tone deaf was it last month? And they're like, oh, my God, CPI is at 4.2%. Could have never seen this coming. Right. Well, the other thing is, is that month over month, it was annualized at around 9%. Right. It was nasty. Yeah. It was nasty. So, so uh, transitory. 
Bank of America used the phrase, I don't think they were tongue in cheeking this one. Seems like a stupid thing to do, making jokes about inflation. But they called it transitory hyperinflation. I'm going, you know, the reason you have trans transitory hyperinflation is like a transitory nuclear bomb. Right. These seconds, boom, it's over. Yeah. Yeah, only, it didn't last long. Again, buy more things, buy more things. It comes. Yeah, Weimar problem was what, a year and a half maybe? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like most people are too worried about it though. No, they will be. They will be. And, you know, owning some real estate. I own my house. It's bigger than normal. Um, a lot of gold, a lot of silver. I've been buying some uh, hard asset based equities, which I'm really uneasy with because I'm a big believer in the upcoming secular bear market. And when the bear comes, they, you sell everything. You sell everything. Can I send you some Bitcoin? You'll have to buy some. No. no. When I'm ready, I'll buy it. I think I'm thinking of buying a, one Bitcoin and then I'll put a patch on my eye with a laser coming out the other one. Just a half of a Bitcoin. So I, I, can, so I can monocle a, a laser eye. I had to ask because everybody... On this. I know. I'm the no coiner with a target on his ass. Pre coiner. Pre coiner. Pre pre coiner. Pre coiner. Yeah. Everybody's favorite pre coiner. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. I, I'm the the, the I, I'd like to think of myself as the least antagonistic pre coiner. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yes. The hodlers are certainly more antagonistic towards you than you are towards us. I think that's right. Yeah. Would you please tell your guys to quit beating on me? That's the thing. It's they're listening. Hey, hey. Guys, don't do this to me. Um, some are doing good fun, right? So I'll post something and some will say, well, that Bitcoin solves this. They're just fun, right? I get it. That's a good joke. Um, some are just nasty mothers. Yeah. So these are the ones, by the way, these are the ones who are going to get cleaned out uh, during, let's call it the next correction, right? These are the ones who are, who are going to, who are going to be, you know, you know, sort of hugging the porcelain bus losing it because they they bought at 30,000 and 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 it's now at 20 and and they they're fucked right the, the serious hodlers they they know what a roller coaster ride feels like i've been on it been on it for for quite a while it is a ride right. that's right it sure. is a ride right by the way that's that's investing in general that's the thing like they're yeah you guys have a higher amplitude than most yes Right, your ups and downs, or yeah, you know, the the hodler community is a bipolarity moment, right? It's it's uh, it's it's manic depressive. Yeah, well, that's what and, I uh, is. Again, and we reach like the height of this cycle. People are like, oh, it's the beginning, but it's like, ah, oh, you see the central banks lining up. There, see CBDCs. You see the the energy narrative beginning to line up against Bitcoin. People are really attacking the mining industry. Well, but last time we talked, or the last five times we've talked, whatever the number is, um, we've always talked about the fact you guys are going to run into a shitstorm of opposition. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh. That's, that was a guarantee. What, the, what drives me nuts are the retail hodlers um, because they don't know this. They don't, they don't understand. They don't, they, don't, they don't know the history of markets. They don't know how markets behave. They don't know... Uh, how emotions drive them. They don't know a lot of aspects. And so they're the ones who, who are always massacred. They're always buying at the wrong time. They're always selling at the wrong time. That's all. That's the history of markets right there. So 
there's a demographic too, right? You young punks are more amenable to Bitcoin than the old farts. Um, I'm not so young anymore. I'm 30 next week. It's uh, Oh my God. You probably can't even get it up anymore. Forget that extra kid. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, but the demographics is one of two things. Either the old guys just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, I might get it someday, but I don't, I'm not worried about not getting it because mm-hmm. I have, I'm hedging. I'm a godler. We're kissing cousins, right? It's, we just disagree on vehicle. Um, but it's also true that the old guys understand market cycles. So they're watching this going. It's like when you're, you're, uh, your kids building something to jump off in the front yard with their bike and you're sitting there looking out the window going, Oh, that's going to fucking hurt. <laughs> right. And, and as an old man, you go, yeah, yeah. I knocked a few teeth out doing shit like that. Right. That's going to feel some pain. And so, so the old guys are going to tend to see the market cycle component better. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're, if you're 30 or under, you've never witnessed a market cycle. You've, so here's, here's something I like to talk about. Um, uh, corrections. Bitcoin right now appears to be co- trying to correct. Right. Um, I have a definition of a correction, which I'm not sure maybe others have thought of it, but it certainly is my definition. And that is you have to have a significant asset price correction, right? The asset price has to go down. And you also have to change investors' attitudes. So, so it has to have a sobering component. So let's just look at equity markets. When was the last correction? Uh, this time, or yeah, March of last year. No. What attitudes got changed? Uh, you, you learned to buy more. You learned to hold on. You learned that the markets never inflict pain. That's what you learned from March of 2020. Right. Bye. You learned never sell. No matter how overvalued that asset is, don't sell. It'll become more overvalued. You got Davey Page Pageus coming out. Davey Day Trader. Dave Portnoy. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. Well, so yeah. when was the last correction? Was it 08, 09? I'm not sure. You should have bought that. Didn't you learn? Didn't you? Well, but it never got cheap. The markets never got cheap in 08, 09. They went below fair value. They spent about a a month below historical fair value. It felt like they were cheap because you fell, you hurtled to earth from such lofty levels. But but it never got cheap. So is that like, does inflation hide? Corrections or well, and uh, or asset bubbles. So, so the markets are at this incredibly inflated level right now, and so either they're going to never regress to the mean, which means therefore the historical returns are no longer valid, mm-hmm. because historical va- returns are based on historical means. So if the historical mean, let's use PE, I hate PE because they lie so much, but um, let's say the average PE is 13 and you're sitting at 35. That means that the average return is going to be, you know, ballpark a third of what it used to be. Yeah. And people don't get that. And they go, well, it, they did polls of um, equity investors last year. And they said the average equity investor is expecting 16% a year. That that needs an attitude correction. Right at these you know what Buffett Buffett wrote an article in '99, a brilliant article. You have to read it multiple times to understand it. I think it was in Fortune, but it was 19. If you read Buffett 1999, you'll get this article. Search that. Um, 
he gets to the very end. He says, when you roll it all together, all the, all the taxes and fees and, and dividends and everything, you throw it all together, you can't make more than 4%. Yeah, equities. That makes sense. Especially if you're right. My number came out to 4.5. Rob Arnault put it at 3.5. I don't think Buffett included taxes. I put in taxes. Long-term capital gains or? Well, you got dividend payments. Say, oh, what about dividends? I go, well, first of all, they suck right now. But second of all, you pay, ta- you pay taxes on those. Yeah. And so, so you know, you say, oh, it's all my 401k. I go, yeah, your 401ks, according to the metrics, all suck. You guys, 401ks aren't worth shit. They're small. On average, they're small. And so, um, sorry, I had an ant on my mic. No, it, it's, it's, it's completely. And so, so, so if you're going to make 4% a year, your, your entire mathematics changes in terms of what you have to have to retire, what you have to save, what you have to, you know, how durable you have to be. Now, 4% is not a, a quantity based on the starting valuations of today. It's a historical number. So if you can make 4% off historical valuations, you're sitting at 3X, 2X. I, I put it around a little over 2X mm-hmm. overvalued. You got to cut that number in half until you regress to the mean. So built in there, you got to give up 50% somewhere on that path forward. And it's a very painful experience. Yeah. Well, I don't think we give that up. I think, I think we're... So then we get lousy returns. Well, lousy return. I think we just hyperinflate everything. We, we're, but you'll get inflation-adjusted lousy returns. Yeah. Right? The returns are real returns. I, economists who cite numbers, like Jeremy Siegel talks about how much the market made. Jeremy, with his PhD and his Yale pedigree, isn't smart enough to inflation correct? No. What kind of douchebag is that? Inflation doesn't exist. It's transitory. We're undercut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. So the gist is that you don't, you don't make that much in the 20th century. Inflation adjusted capital gains made about two, 2.1%. The rest was made up of dividends, minus fees, minus taxes. Not that much. 2.1%. It's not that much. It means, you know what it is? Most of investing is just tying inflation. Most of your efforts are to, to tie inflation. And, and to get a little bit of a vig and to save and save and save until you got enough money. So it's all, it's, it's most of investing is not, it's 90% saving. The rest is tying, tying inflation and trying to make a little bit of an edge. But that's, so when was the last time we learned that? Well, it turns out that if you go back to the bear market of 67 to 81, 65 to 81, you're looking at inflation adjusted Dow, the peak was in 65. From 65 to 81, you lost 75%. You lost 75% from 65 to 81. That's, that's 16 fucking years. That is maximum one third of your entire investing life for some less. Right. And, 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 and I can remember my dad who was affluent saying, I don't know if I'll ever have enough money to, to retire because of the inflation. To him, people, people who are looking at the inflation going, oh, we don't care, have not lived through inflation. That's what makes me worry. Like, I know the douchebag right behind you, that hot babe there with the blonde hair. 
Hey. She's probably having a threesome with those other two guys. Hey, honey. Stop earning money. Yeah, stop. Honestly. Stop uh, racking up debts. Um, but, like, is, uh, like, is this going to be worse than the 70s inflation, you think? I have no idea. Is um, it? I don't think I here. Here's where some of the pain was mitigated, but people who went through it didn't feel like it. But 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 Volcker cranking rates up. Yeah, they're never going back to 16 percent. They're never going back above one. I think. Not true. If they don't go above one and we have a raging inflation, you can kiss your ass goodbye for you hodlers. You won't be able to service the debt. Like they're not going to be able to do it. I get it. But but you know what? If if you look at, you know how we've been talking about inflation servicing the debt and we've now got inflation and we've been kind of been trying to inflate away the debt. We have more debt than the inflation is. We have more debt now than when the inflation push started. If Powell's trying to inflate away the debt, he's blowing it because we're accruing debt faster than we're inflating it away. Holy shit. Right? Our debt's huge. We're building debt. We're not shrinking it. You shrink debt, you shrink, you, you can't inflate away the debt because you, to, to inflate, you create debt, right? Maybe. The whole banking system based on creation of debt to inflate. Yeah. So they lever up the system. They get people to borrow fucking money to buy fucking NFTs, right? They borrow money to build their house. They borrow money to buy their car. They borrow money to go to college, which is just monetary policy. That's all that was. And, uh, and that's how you get inflation. But you also get that. So the real inflation, the inflation that takes it away completely, the one that does inflate away the debt is the kind where you lose faith in the currency. When does that happen? I don't know, but you laser-eyed guys are ready. <laughs> yeah, we are. So that's the other thing. So like, again, last year, when bring it back to Dave Portnoy, like when they started printing money, he... Pfft, like held up a shroot buck and was like, the U.S. dollar is a shroot buck now. It's not even. Yeah, he's he's a savvy bastard. I mean, he's a loose cannon. Yes. But but in some sense, he's a classic. Who are the other loose cannons? Trump's loose cannon. People say, ah, oh, what a douchebag. Oh, he got to be president. Don't give me that. Uh, Elon Musk, right? Elon yeah. Musk is an unbelievable dreamer. What an amazing sense of imagination, everything. But he's also P.T. Barnum. And, and so, so all these guys have that component. The one who didn't was Steve Jobs. He he was a dreamer and, and a doer. Yeah, a doer. Most a doer. Henry Ford said that. He said, "What is it? Imagination without execution is worthless." Something like that. Henry Ford envisioned Bitcoin. We won't get into that, but um, is that true? Yeah, New York Tribune. December 21st, 1921, wrote an op-ed, said we need to move from a gold-backed currency to a currency backed by energy by kilowatt hours. That's exactly what Bitcoin is. Converts kilowatt. Got, you got to send me that. You got to send me that. I will send that to you. I had the link. Okay. But is this oppor- an opportunity? Like if all this shit goes to hell? That can be fun. Well, it's always an opportunity for somebody. But, you know, Soviet Union was an opportunity, but you had to be in the Politburo. So it's not an opportunity for most people. Most people will be hurt, right? And and to the extent it's damaging to the economy, you, you're not creating wealth, and so so you're you're on average things are not going to move as well. 
Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so I, no, I, 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 yes, it's opportunity, but it's an, an opportunity for those capable of exploiting opportunity. I'm, I'm thinking more of an opportunity in the sense like we can get rid of the Yellens, the Pals, the Biden. No, no. When was the last? When was the last time anyone got rid of the Yellens and the Pals and the Bidens in history? 1776. Let's do it. Let's go. Russian Revolution, maybe. How'd that work? Yeah, it was pretty bloody. And it led to you know a, a century of chaos. Yeah. All right. right. French Revolution. That was a fun one. Is that what we're destined for? Like, are we at that inflection point? Like, that's another thing. Like, are we going to look back ten years from now and be like, Marty and Dave didn't know it at the time they were having this conversation, but they were going through hyperinflation. Maybe. Oh, I think so. I think so. I mean, I don't know if it's hyperinflation. Again, hyperinflation is a different kind of a world. Um, so, so we could go through high inflation without hyperinflation. Uh, hyperinflation leads to total currency destruction. High inflation just fucks up the currency. Yeah, well, hyperinflation part is money printing, and part is like you just alluded to collapse. Loss of faith. So that's like doing this podcast. Last week, I, I interviewed a pro surfer, Bethany Hamilton. She recently wrote a piece like I'm thinking about Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin had her on and it was incredibly illuminating for me because she's somebody who's stuck in her lane, pro surfing, traveling the world, world, looking for waves, forced to stay home for the last year, locked down, seeing the Jerome Powell, Neil Kashkari are going on 60 minutes saying they have infinite cash. And she, somebody who never thought about it before, started questioning money and questioning the U.S. dollar. And right. So, compelled. so the Fed used to babble about inflation expectations being the whole thing. And that's consistent with their with their constant mantra that inflation's too low. Right. They're talking down the belief in inflation. But um, but the expectations are here. They've lost. Yeah. We are all expecting inflation. Right. Yeah. So if you were bidding a house, if you're a contractor right now, would you bid? Would you bid that house out low? You'd be adding huge, huge supply costs into your estimate. And that's what high inflation is, is when you start building in price increases, when they become institutionalized, when they get into the DNA of the economy. Well, that's then that's when you get inflation. You get a housing market right now. Every every one of my friends, my family members, anybody looking to buy a house, they have to go in, make an offer same day in cash, usually 10 to 20 percent above asking. If they even want to like, right. think about being considered to get the house because they're competing against the 20, 30 other people at the same time and some hedge funds. As well. and, and we just had an unprecedented housing bubble that's not as big as this one 10 years ago. And people thought it wasn't even possible. And here we are again. Right, right. Man, How'd me? that happen? Why don't people understand this stuff? Well, I... One could argue they do. When I do Twitter polls, people seem to understand stuff. What do we do? It reminds me of like, uh, let's take a conspiracy, Kennedy assassination. Probably 75%, if not more, of the populace says Kennedy was assassinated by a conspiracy. CIA. So, so what? So what? It doesn't matter. There's no consequence to us knowing it. The Ruskies all know that Gorbachev is a punk. So what? We all know that Epstein didn't kill himself. We all know Epstein didn't kill himself. I think he's not even dead, but that's. 
Oh, there we go. Wait for a second. You there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, there we go. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. We're just fed these constant lies. The lab leak theory. Like you said this last... Like everybody knew it was lab leaks. So... You got kicked off Twitter if you, if, you, if you talked about it too much on Twitter. Now you have the New York Times right? Journal coming out this week being like, oh, it was probably the lab leak. And... Oh. And and there's some what's that called when you uh, when you go back into the archives and change the story retrospectively and try to hide the fact that you have this embarrassing story. Whitewash. Some of the some of the you know there's a name for uh, revising retrospectively a story. There's a I can't remember what it's called, but there's a name for it. Um, so they're doing that. Um, but but everything you know you know I'm a big zero hedge fan. Everyone likes to hammer zero hedge. I I can't tell you. I, I don't know many times where Zero Hedge has been wrong. Yeah. Now they've been wrong about the about they're always bearish, but I, they're only wrong according to the market pricing. They're not wrong according to the insanity. They get it right. Yeah. Zero Hedge has been right on so many counts, and and it just gets dismissed because they're they were talking about they were talking about you know the uh, the LIBOR rate rigging and shit years before. Mm-hmm. It became well known was about two or three years ago. Repo markets, they had the the alarm bells ringing on those. They're on top of the repo market and little little things, big things, you know, weird things. It's a great source. It's a it's kind of like um, it's like BitChute or something. I mean, it's, except not quite as weird. They were on. This is another thing that got sort of memory hold from last year. That that professor from uh, Harvard who got arrested by the FBI for aiding the the scientists were. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. I know him. I I have no idea if he was seriously guilty or not, but um, I can imagine just be blind. It could be blind ambition more than anything really insidious. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, there. What I will tell you is, there's Chinese money littered all over the United States. So that is not a one-off case. There's Chinese money in every major institution. Yeah. No, yeah, so to the extent that that's considered nefarious, we got some cleaning up to do. Right. I mean, Kyle Kyle Bass is on the case. Um, Kyle Bass is on the case. He does not. Uh, um, going on in Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, I was wondering when we were we were part of the tip of the spear. So there are like six academic institutions that agreed to take Chinese grad students from China back in like '81. And it was a special program like, holy shit, we're going to take kids from China. That's pretty weird, right? Doesn't seem weird now, but it did at the time. So they were hand selected, right? The best of the best, the smartest of the smartest. And over time, what I noticed is that they weren't going back to China. And I'm thinking now, what's in it for the Chinese? And then the more it's progressed, the more I realize is that you can't possibly you can't possibly es- escape the notion that if you have people who have an allegiance, I don't mean a treasonous re- allegiance, but just an allegiance, right? If I was working in China for the last 20 years, I wouldn't like disown the United States. So they slowly but surely populated the U.S. scientific system and academic system with formerly and currently Chinese nationals. And it allowed us to be more amenable to taking more grad students and more relationships and more. And they were just slowly but surely sort of weaving their way into our academic system. 
what their long-term goal, I, I don't know. And I, I, I have colleagues who are Chinese. I think they're great. Yeah, but, I mean, but it seems like a big desensitization that had to take place. Death by a thousand cuts slowly over decades. Well, they're patient. China, China, you know, one of the famous Chinese heads at one point was asked about the American experiment. It says too soon to tell. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, that's uh, yeah. 50 years in almost. Yeah, yeah, 200 years. <laughs> Blink of an eye. It's not even a dynasty. Not even one dynasty. Seven generation thinking over there. It's what we need to get back to. That's right. One thing I wanted to ask you about as a scientist, can we trust the science? What, what is up with the science? Depends on which science. Yeah. When it gets politicized, the answer is unequivocally no. Like how did, again, we're going insane, people. We're going, our society's going completely insane. It's the bad incentives. Like, can you, can if you're a climate scientist, if you don't follow the global warming narrative, you won't get funded. I'm confident of that. You have to, to get funded, you have to go through a bunch of hoops and hurdles. It's very difficult to get a grant funded. There's usually a lot of fingers in the pie. And so it's a real sort of top shelf grant that gets funded. If you are submitting a grant under the auspices of climate change, I'm pretty confident that if your grant appears to be challenging climate change you're not going to get the scores you need to get funded well we saw this example recently in australia with that professor who literally dove the great barrier reef every day they come out and say actually like the reefs are not dying they're actually thriving no no i wrote about that last year too two years ago two years ago the reefs are actually the reefs were doing well because uh hurricane season had knocked out the tourist trade actually i'm thinking of uh, in uh I'm thinking of in the Caribbean and it knocked out the tourist trade, which gave the reefs a chance to rejuvenate because all the tourists weren't picking shit off the reef. Yeah. More. I mean, yeah, more recently, the great barrier reef in Australia, like this dude came out, he's been working at, I forget exactly what university been working there in their marine biology department. And he comes out and he's like, actually like I've been diving the reefs and observing for years now and they're actually doing better than ever. And he got fired. Right. Right. I vaguely remember that one. I stopped reading about climate change because I just had had enough. I just couldn't. I built a case against the the veracity of their of their arguments. I said, okay, I I have found enough worms in the spaghetti to use Johnny Cochran's phrase to say that um, the narrative is driving everything. Um, I'm sure there's good climate science being done. And I'm also sure that it's nowhere near as definitive as the media is telling us. And so uh, what is what I'm confident is, is that the extrapolations to 100 years from now are bullshit. Steve Coonan finally came out and said that. He said, I've looked at all the numbers. I've gone through the models. This is a Caltech physicist, right? And he and he he. He, he said, you can't possibly extrapolate out 100 years on these models. They're just too crude. I, a Stanford physicist, the same thing. He said, the error bar is five times the size of the estimate. They, they make no sense. But that's what gets you the clickbait, the funding, the research grants, the, the students, 
students come in, they're all the round eyed. Oh, I want to study climate change. Right. You know, if you're happen to be in a field, it's not rare because most fields are not politicized, but if you happen to be in a non-politicized field, there's no problem. You know, science is moving forward. Uh, what I'll tell you is, is that if someone uses the phrase peer reviewed to try to win an argument, tell them to shut up. I was an editor for 20 years. Peer review doesn't mean shit. Does not mean shit. It means that the editor gave the paper to a couple of people that they probably don't know. When I was an editor, I had a database of 20,000 potential referees. And I'd get, I'd get subject matter that were so far out my skill set. I would do a Boolean search of my database. I'd say, oh, yeah, this guy checked the box for DNA and synthetic organic chemistry and metals. I go, that guy's got the three critical buzzwords. I'll ask, the, I'll search that. And I'll get 20 names come up and I go, those people are referee candidates. And then I, they come in and I, they say, accept, don't accept. Meanwhile, um, they might have spent an hour. They, they might have spent two days. I don't know, but they might have spent an hour. They might have handed the paper to their grad student and said, referee this for me. And they get the referee report and they kind of edit it a little and then send it off. Could have been a first year grad who edited, who refereed the paper. So, so, so when someone says peer review, they are, they are using that as a refuge to hide what are potentially bad arguments. Yeah. It's peer a good argument. You don't need to say peer review. You don't trust the science. It's crazy how that that phrase alone, like trust the science. Well, I push back against that all the time. And having been an editor for 20 years, I can't. And I've pushed back against group statements. So you get these group statements where the, all the editors of some of some set of journals or all the you name it, all the collective, right? They write a letter stating something. You cannot express 20 different people's opinions without compromising left and right. And so I won't sign a group statement because there's no way that that letter expressed my opinions. There's too much compromising. So I won't sign them generally. Yeah. But people like that. People like those co-signed statements. Well, they're, they're cowards. So we had a guy in organic chemistry who, who wrote an article. It's unclear why he did this, that, that the quest for diversity was hurting organic chemistry. I'm going, oh, God, what do you, I know the guy. He's a wild man. I'm going, you know, behind closed doors, you can talk with friends about whether it's fair, whether, you know, diversity should trump merit and how much and if so, by how much, you know, that sort of thing. That's a totally rational discussion. To go solo out there and write an article saying it's I, I I don't care how good a writer you are, that you're just asking for a shitstorm and he got one. He's this wild and crazy man, a Czech import who's now a sort of a West Virginia hillbilly type. And and I'm not sure he cared. But um the American scientific advisory board, 16 of them, I think, very prominent chemists. Um wrote a letter denouncing it and resigned from the advisory board. So my question then becomes, did they all agree with the letter as written? The answer is certainly not. Certainly not. Did any of them feel pressured to sign that letter? Certainly. If a couple of them had said, I'm not resigning, would they have gotten their ass kicked? Certainly. 
So once it became a collective effort, um, the scientists had ceased thinking independently. These are people who are supposed to be fiercely independent. They're supposed to question everything. There's Nobel Prize winners on that panel. And all of a sudden, they became a mob. And I wrote about it. I said, I don't give a fuck. They stopped thinking. As soon as you sign those group letters, you've stopped thinking for yourself. And if would any of you even thought of resigning if someone hadn't gotten the fucking idea? How, what percentage of the 16 people, how many of the 16 would have resigned independently? Probably one, maybe, but probably not. You know why? Because they needed the other 15 to have the balls to do it. Yeah. Because they're cowards. I'm calling them cowards. If this makes it into the chemical community, so fucking what? I'm dead in the chemical community. Anyways. I've got money. I've got students. I'm funded till I retire. I don't care. You the only thing I care about, I don't want to hurt my department. Send me an address. I'll send you some Bitcoin. You'll have that as well. No, you can't care. We just, like I said earlier, Dave, we need strong men like yourself to come and speak out against this nonsense. Well, I do. They're coming for our energy. Like the climate emergency, climate crisis. They're going to try to... <clears throat> We're going to try to justify lockdowns. Well, so the, I'm, I'm, I'm in my investments that I've talked about. <clears throat> so in a nutshell, I have a lot of gold, uh, a house that's worth more than, than I would normally buy, but it's, it's a total change in lifestyle. It's like, holy shit. Every day is a vacation at this house. Um, hangs back. off, a, hangs off a hundred foot cliff looking right over Cuga Lake to the West sunsets every day are marvelous. The 350 linear feet of deck, right? This is the killer. So I said, okay. So when I bought, it, I said, okay, the taxes over the next 30 years are going to be this. Um, I'm going to tie up this much capital. Am I okay with those two? And I go, yeah, sure. Fine. So I bought it. Uh, cause, cause I didn't, the risk assets look terrible to me. So I said, fuck it. I'll just own this house. Um, but, um, but, um, I have a wad of cash. I probably have, I probably have 12 annual salaries of cash. Holy shit. Cash equivalent. One, some, a chunk of, a big chunk of it's getting about a 3% return, but the inflation is not 3% now, nor yeah. has it ever been. You know what we call cash these days? Shit. Cuck bucks. You're holding cuck bucks. What's that? Holding cuck, cuck bucks. I like that. I like that. You laser eyed guys have a sense of humor. Um, and so up until last year, I had this faith that I would be offered the opportunity to buy distressed assets on fire sale, period. It always happens. And then what happened is we, the biggest, I would argue the biggest and stupidest equity bubble in history ran into the biggest bazooka in history and they saved it. I go, fuck. So what became clear to me, which the hodlers would all agree, is that the Fed convinced me they have no guardrails. They have, they have no sense of restraint. No. They have no sense that, that, that we, we, we can do some stuff, but we can't go here. There is no place they won't go. They will hump sheep. They will hump every barnyard animal. They will hump each other. I, I did, there's just no evidence they will restrain themselves. No, you had. And as a, oh, good. Well, as a consequence, I realized that the cash position um, and I know you hodlers are laughing, but the cash position is untenable. And, um, and so I'm looking around and, 
And one of the bets, when um, when Exxon last year got booted out of the Dow, mm-hmm. oh, that's a bottom call. Right. Energy got in the crap kicked out of it. Um, they replaced it with uh, Salesforce. That shit. Not a big fan. A piece of garbage. It's a piece of garbage. They could have put Google in there. Never used. They could have put Facebook in there. They put Salesforce.com. Have you ever used it? No. I had to Google what it was. Terrible. I don't miss Salesforce. What is it? What do they do? I don't even know what they do. Um, uh, it's a uh, contact relation management system, CRM. Is that what that stands for? I'm so far removed from sales. It's like I, 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 all I know is that's not a Dow candidate. The digital Rolodex. Right. I have one of those, actually. And... um. So then I immediately started looking at energy and immediately started looking at Exxon. And then I, next thing I found out is that energy was about two and a half percent of the S and P. I go, Holy shit. This is the fuel that runs the economy and it's 2.5% of the S and P. What kind of, so that I give credit to uh, Jesse Felder for pointing out. And then uh, I said, okay, it's time to go into the commods. And so I started at the end of 2020, buying, you know, natural gas and stuff like that. Now, the other bet that I'm making is, is that <clears throat> is that the alternative energies are not going to put the, the fossil fuel guys out of business. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And so at some point, people are going to wake up and say, oh, we really do need natural gas. We really do need coal. We really do need oil. And then the other thing is um, I'm buying um, industrial metal miners, the one I have a serious uh, heart on for is, is Rio Tinto. Mm-hmm. 5% dividend, not, not expensive, uh, no net debt. And, and they have mines in something like, I don't know, it's like about 75 countries in the world, not crazy places. So they're geographically diversified. They, it's not like they're all in Peru or something. Right. And, uh, and I figured that that's not only a bet, against inflation. And I'm not very well sized yet on this bet, but um, it's also a bet that, that they might try to drive the Green New Deal. And I think the miners are gonna make some money off that. Well, right? the, That's gonna be a resource intensive move. Amount of steel needed, amount of commodities needed to build out that infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, copper and you name it. And so, so it's kind of a, it's, it's got a lot of hedge flavor to it to me. Um, and uh, I also got into the gold miners. I, I had them for years. I didn't like them. I didn't trust them. They never seemed to make money. Gold went from 256 to 1900, settled back around 1200, and the miners gave it all back. And I go, what kind of crazy investment is this? So I was not, didn't own any miners after a few years back, I did until then, but I never trust them. I never liked them. And I don't like to buy things that are optionality. I, I don't like to buy something that says, oh, this will go up three times what this goes up. You know, I, I want to buy a company that makes money. It's that simple. I want to see cash flow. I want to see dividends. I want to see, I don't want to see debt because I think that's going to be a problem. And, um, and so I, I hated the miners. And I again, one day in a, I was in a meeting in Vegas and, uh, there's a CEO of a gold mining company. I ripped him. He said, yeah, we totally fucked it up. We, that whole last cycle, the, the entire mining industry just handled it horrifically. 
And so I had ignored him. And then one day I'm listening to Fred Hick and he starts rattling off how cheap the miners are. And it's like, oh, I know we're going to hear about the reserves in the ground, you know, and how we'll get it out when it makes money and this and that. I don't want to hear that. I'm uninterested in the fact that some guy's sitting, you know, underneath me, there's tremendous reserves. I'm sitting right on top of a wealth of geologic shit. I can't get it out to make money, certainly. Um, and then he started rattling off some of the stats of the gold miners. And I'll say, oh, holy shit, these sound like tobacco stocks to me. These are not, they're no longer optionality. They're, they're low valuation, no debt, um, high dividend paying companies. Somehow they fixed themselves while I was not paying attention. And so I've started buying the miners. I, I found some incredibly dirty. One, some guy sent me an email and said, I've analyzed the platinum miners. And it was a brilliant analysis. And the platinum miners are totally being ignored right now. Platinum is, uh, you take all the commodities, platinum's one that hasn't been run up the, run up the flagpole yet. And it's used, it's using catalytic converters and stuff like that. And, and there's some small miners that are priced insanely low. And so I actually took small position just in an afternoon of watch, looking at this guy's analysis. I said, I'm taking a couple of positions in here just for just to get um, to get some sweat, get some some emotional equity on the table. And um, the problem is I have to take such large positions in anything. To make to dent the problem, you know, when you're 25 years old, you go, oh, I'll put 2000 in, right? And you go, oh, boy, that's scary, right? For me to dent my portfolio, I have to put multiples of annual salary. And that I still think of as a lot of money. <laughs> so you're, you're going into all these mining stocks and you're not in Bitcoin yet? <laughs> no, I'm not in Bitcoin yet. But I, I, as I said in the podcast recently, I, I could go there. You should go there. No, but I'm not going there now. Come on. I want to see a washout. If you guys, if you guys don't wash out, you, the train's gonna leave the station again. You got washed out last year. No, 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 no. Yeah. You was it two years ago or three years ago? You're washed out. Uh, right now, you guys still have a lot of risk. One of the risks is it's both a, a it's a it's a double edged sword. You've got very very prominent people going into Bitcoin, and. If you analyze it superficially, go. Oh, that's great news. That's phenomenal news because it means we're legit, right? So you get hedge fund managers going in, you hear all the stuff. But those guys will leave as fast as they they came. The brain. They, they only they only bet on shit that's moving. Mm -hmm. So if you guys, if Bitcoin stops moving, which by the way it's it has briefly, the selling could be bad. It's Kathy Wood. And the likes of Kathy Wood. These are hodlers. They're not. They're not hodl They're not hodlers at heart. They're just speculators. Somebody clipped that. So I think the I think the speculators have to be run out of the game. And I think there's going to be a painful future moment. And I could imagine saying, "Holy shit!" The fundamentals that Marty's been trying to tell me about seem to be here still. But the fear and panic and mayhem is considerable. Maybe I'll buy some. Okay. The fundamentals never been stronger, particularly what's going uh, on. I, I, I don't doubt it. 
well, I, I doubt it, but I, 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 I can, I can grasp that that's possible. How's that? What if I told you Bitcoin's going to help your, your energy investments? Then I'll, then I've invested in the right thing. <laughs> I own energy. Yeah, you're going to need both. Bitcoin. Well, you guys are using a lot of the energy, I'm told. So, uh, so you're told. <laughs> we're I'm just ribbing you now. I'm just giving you shit now. We're making these producers more efficient, which is making them more profitable. Yeah. Ancient yeah. Just see what we're doing to the oil and gas market at Great American Mining. It's it's happening. And the dinosaurs in the oil and gas market are starting to wake up to it, which is refreshing. Right. It's been a long, long Well, that's good. I'm hoping you guys revitalize this industry because that's what I'm invested in. You know, you know what's fascinating to me uh, as a Bitcoiner exploring the oil and gas industry more over the last two years, particularly, is they're cocked, man. It's like a bunch, especially the big guys. They're like falling hook, line, and sinker for the ESG. They're old school. They're drillers. Yeah, but right? a lot of them are just like ushering in ESG, like in like cocked in the sense that like this ESG movement. Well, but but this this is yeah. this is the froth of the of 2021, right? Like, ESG is like NFT is like, you know, CDS is like CPDOs is like, right. It's just, it's, it's, I, I want to own shit that just makes money. I don't want to own a story. I don't want to own something that depends on fed largesse to be functional. Did you buy a bunch of pharmaceutical stocks? Uh, I've never liked pharma for some reason. Makes um, Well, pharma, if you look at pharma's history, if you look at the price of pharma, they're doing pretty well now, but, but they treaded water for 20 years. But that, that's fine. What a lot of people don't know is that that's not unusual. Pharma had its heyday. Pharma's heyday was from like 85 to 2000. You look at a, a chart of Pfizer and Merck, they all went wild. And and I think they're probably above that now, but um, I think they're probably doing pretty well now. But they were underwater for a couple decades. Yeah. And and I'm just going to check one here. I used to consult for Pfizer. You know why I don't consult for Pfizer anymore? The opiates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rehab didn't impress them. Uh, no, okay, so Pfizer is sitting at a price right now that it first attained. Right, which means water tread that it first attained in uh, '97. Trading for how long? Trading, it doesn't matter. Twenty-four years ago, Pfizer was at the same price as today. Holy crap! This is what people don't understand: markets prices can tread water. Now they paid a dividend. And that may get you to the 4% that Buffett's talking about. So here's Merck, right? These are the, these are the, these are the, the great ones. Merck is trading at a price that it traded at for the first time in 98. Hmm. So you can say, oh, yeah, but I didn't buy it in 98. We'll go, okay, are you buying hold or are you a trader? Because if you're a buy and hold guy, that meant there's a bunch of guys just like you who've been 23 years holding. Uninflation adjusted, nothing. Dividends only, taxes, fees are all there. You inflation correct that guy? 
you're you're underwater big way. Yeah. That's insane. The Ethiopia crisis didn't have their stock pumping or something. Well, you know who made a fortune? If you'd told me what healthcare was going to do. Genentech's private? Holy shit. Um, if you'd told me what healthcare was going to do over the last 20 years, I would have said don't buy insurance companies, right? Because the cost of healthcare is going to soar. They've been able to tack on way more on the cost. So healthcare companies have been remarkable. So Eli Lilly's rocking now, but Eli Lilly um, from 98 until, until 18, 20 years treaded water. Damn, I would not have expected that. I don't play the stock market. Is that bad? Um, it's not as speculative as your market. <laughs> uh, no, it, no, that's bad. That's bad. I'm a Bitcoin guy. I don't trust the stock. Well, market. if you if you boot up Walmart or something, you'll find it is just curving up. So there are there are there are plot lines okay, Bitcoin that worked has, well. Bitcoin has a 200% annualized returns over the last decade. I know it's too rich for me. I, I don't know what I do with all the wealth. You wind up moving to your father-in-law's house down the shore and just podcast from his bedroom. It's not a bad, bad lifestyle. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I was Max Kaiser. Someone showed me a video of his. I get invited to do podcasts with them too. So the hodlers somehow want to have me on and they don't ask me about hodling. So those guys don't give me any guff, but um, he had $50,000 of Bitcoin at the time, at five bucks a pop. Yeah, I liked. He, I mean, Alex Jones came out on that. They were early. They were early. Yeah, Alex Jones came out on a podcast with Andrew Schultz a couple months ago, saying that Max Kaiser gave him like five thousand Bitcoin in twenty eleven. He, he lost it, um, like five hundred. I forget what the number was. It's pretty high. Yeah, I've had Max- there's some horse. There are some horror stories because there are people who, when they got it, they it's like when your dad gives you some rare coins and you spend them at the store, you know, yeah. something like that. You know, yeah, that yeah. That, before Bitcoin was doing its thing, there have to be a lot of lot of lost bitcoins oh yeah people treat i mean i mean last saturday was the anniversary of somebody spending ten thousand bitcoins on two papa john's pizzas i I, that's a famous story right yeah even the no coiners know that story you can never know at that time though yeah people thought no that's right well you know when i was buying gold in 99 again it's not bitcoin you guys are going oh you're a piker but I've had people say to me, well, that was easy because it was so cheap. I go, dude, there was five of us in the entire fucking world buying gold. Right. That's why it was cheap because nobody wanted goddamn gold. And by the way, if you were buying equities in 81, you were nuts. No one. They couldn't give them away in 81. Well, that's what uh, I've had. Love Max and Stacy had them on the show a couple months ago. Max was describing his foray into stock brokering right right around there right early 80s like he, he came from like you're playing solitary at your desks came around putzing from co- comedy seller to comedy seller i was like yeah i'll take a job as a stockbroker. it was like frowned upon you ever seen that video of him at the comedy store when he was a little kid i i seen like a, a very short clip but he told a short a, clip yeah he told a story um about warming up for uh, for Robin Williams uh, and what that was like. Up, uh, yeah, it must be different. That's like buying Bitcoin. <laughs> <I'm> scary. <laughs> um, 
And uh, Stacy keeps uh, occasionally puts up pictures of her mother. And I'm looking at her mother going, oh, I would so tap that. <laughs> oh, my God. St- Stacy's mother. Stacy's mom. Red, no, red. Um, St- you, get, you find a picture of Stacy's mom. She was smoking hot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, Hollywood hot. Um, Hollywood. So I don't know. Right. I don't know what she did for a living, but, but no. Stacy's picking. You, you just had this Hollywood completely decimated this year. Nobody cares about the celebrities anymore. So maybe that's a well, because they're shitheads. Good silver lining. Right. There's a big, there's one. Put them out to the curb. Or like a used pillow at the Salvation Army, right? That's what they're worth. No, no one, the Hollywood guys have self destructed. It's fascinating to watch. Right. They, they totally, totally have not understood how far, how, how far to sink they are with society. They, they think people care what they think. Man, no one cares. This is good. This is good that this is happening. Hopefully they just stop making it is good. remakes and superhero movies, even though I like some of them. <sighs> Dave, do you have hope? Are we going to get through this? I got a picture of Stacy's mom sitting in front of a computer. Your screen share? Here, let me, um, let me uh, make it so you can screen share. Yeah. All right. You can share. Screen share. There we go. Getting Stacy's mom up here. Oh. Just no. That's Coifin. Oh, hold on. Let me do that. Hold on. Let me. Let me. You know, believe it or not, since I haven't taught using live Zoom, I've actually never screen shared anything, despite the fact that everyone else on the planet. How do I get back from there? So I'm on screen share. Here, I will. Fuck was that? Hold on. Hold on. Now I've lost you. I've got so many windows open. I've lost you. Hold on. Zoom. Well, Zoom. All right. There you go. You Where'd should... you go? Where'd you go? I'm here. I have, I've got too many windows. There we go. No. No. I lost you. Hold on. Here, wait. I'm, gonna, I'm changing this back. Because you're dis- okay. disclosing too much information on your on your screen share. Close your close your DMs. There's my notes. All right, you're open back to screen share. I'm gonna do it. Hold on. I saw you said in link to Tom Nelson though. I like that guy's takes. So um, share screen. Why didn't that work? What are you seeing? Where are you? What are you seeing? I'm seeing your screen. Now I got to take it off because you have your DMs open. You can't. What's a DM? What's a DM? We can see who you're chatting with on Twitter. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I don't care. Okay. They can see it too. All right. You're just sharing tweets. I like Tom Nelson, by the way. I, I So do I. But I can't see him in my tweets. I don't know what I don't know how that's showing oh, up. Look, messages. I can see that. There's you in the messages. Can you see that? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can, we can see here. Can Here's you her. see Stacy's mom? Yeah, she's hot. Yeah, I told you. I told okay. you. Okay, so now you should unscreen share me. Stacy's got. Ah, the- there's the porn. Ah, there's the porn. <laughs> and get us kicked off YouTube. 
Yeah, yeah. I I have been kicked off YouTube. Have you? Yeah, I'm fucking QTR. So we did a podcast one day and we got deep, deep in it. He wanted to go through all his, all the conspiracy theories, and I'd go thumbs up, thumbs down. We do this. We talked about all sorts of shit, and uh, YouTube kicked us off for hate speech. Oh. Which which was fine by me. I didn't care. But then QTR writes this zero hedge article, and the headline is. Dave Com kicked off YouTube for hate speech. Oh, thanks, Chris. I really appreciate that. So, in any event, give Chris a little notice. Chris has an open invite to this podcast. He won't take it. Really? Yeah, well, fellow. Hey, Chris, I'll come to Philly. I'm not. I'm not too far. You can drink beers. You can zoom it too. This when he when you say he won't take it, have you gotten his attention? He says no, or are you just not getting? I got his attention last year. He's like, yeah, hey, come on. I was like, invites open. DM me. I tried to email on his website. Didn't work. So what's your uh, watch count? What kind of um, clicks do you get on a per podcast basis on average? I'm getting tens of thousands. Of, uh, okay. 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 So, so for him, it would be potentially worth it. Although I'm not quite sure how anyone monetizes anything, but. Um, you want to hear You want to hear You want to hear how we monetize parts of this podcast? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. go for it. They have apps. You know how podcasts are distributed via RSS feeds? You know what an RSS feed is? Mm-hmm. In that RSS feed, you can put a Bitcoin address. You can embed a Bitcoin address. So when I send out my podcast, it has that RSS feed in there. And there are podcast players, apps, that are compatible with that Lightning Network, that Bitcoin address. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as people listen to this, or people listening to this podcast right now, uh, as they listen... They've hung up already. They're gone. No, no, no. They, you they, got no one. You got no viewers left. We totally lost them. Somebody's listening to my podcast right now. Look, they're streaming me. There's 100 million units in a. Yeah, what's that? They can't even spell douchebag. <laughs> they're, they're sending me Bitcoin live. So this is this is like Bitcoin usage right here. They're listening to me per minute. Okay. They're streaming me like a, a half a penny in aggregate. Not a lot. Okay, the, it starts adding up. Starts I up. personally could make you rich if I keep talking. Well, hey. Get controversial. Say something that's gonna get clipped. No, I'm kidding. Jeez, uh, I've been trying all afternoon. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just hope people walk away from the insanity of of the expert class. When is the expert class gonna be completely just walked away from? They've been completely delegitimized and proven to be terribly, terribly wrong. Well, the the problem is where there's a race between them being shown to be wrong. And them getting so much control over the system that it doesn't matter if they're wrong. That's what scares me. Um, this is why that, you bring central bank digital currencies. So they can tell you where to spend your money, who you can send it to. They're going to air. That's that, but that's the problem, right? That is the problem. And so, so the, the question is, will they be able to clamp down in society in sort of a hunger game sort of way, such that it won't matter if we've outed them all? Who cares, right? Like I said, in the Soviet Union, it's not like the average person didn't know that the that the guys at the top were crooks. Yeah, but the the beauty of America, what we have going on here, Your I just, wife just hit you or something. I just, I just knocked over my water on my electronics. I freaked out. Okay. Um, the beauty here, though, is just like very unique in human history about America. Like shit on America, all you want the intelligence agencies, the, the politicians, uh, the, the military industrial complex, all. Very horrible. The farm industry, very horrible. But we do have a lot of guns individually. Right. And that's hopeful. Um, 
but if you read Jonah Goldberg's book, which I can't remember the title anymore because I'm too old, or you read Charles Murray's book called uh, Coming Apart, um, one of the potential take-home lessons is the American experiment does not have to last. It just doesn't have to last. So it's up to us. Goldberg explicitly states that if we don't teach each generation what it was that got us here, yeah. we're going to lose. And yeah. we're not doing that. Look at what they're teaching in schools. I just finished an article this morning about the complete takeover of Portland's school system. That's what I'm reading right now. This is oh, it. man, you're deep. Jefferson, you are deep. After, after Jefferson during uh, Washington's first couple of terms. Um, you know, you, you got to read this stuff. It's funny, like going back and reading this. I do read stuff like that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people oh. that are listening. Or that, that one I haven't read. That's I'm it. still working. I'm trying to get the end of a, a biography of Alan Dulles. Oh. It's, mind, it's mind-bending. That, that, mind-bending. That satanic demon who ran the CIA. Well, so I had read The Brothers, which is about the Dulles brothers, and that was either – one of, one of them is wrong. Okay, that was a whitewash. I got nothing out of that that perked me, that caught my attention. But they, that was kind of a – what's that? They think Dulles killed JFK, right? That's one of the theories. Really kind of killed him. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, the one I'm reading now called The Devil's Chessboard is much more eye popping. Whitney Webb. And it's it's. Oh, she did. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Whitney. I am too. Um, and and it seems it seems like it's well done. You know, you never know when you're being lied to, but it seems to depend heavily on source material. So he's quoting letters, quoting sources, things like that. And so he's either making up quotes or the shit's scary. And the problem is, is that what it shows you is that the press has always been in the pocket of the power, which, which I knew, but this thing reinforces it to kind of a spooky level. And and that this this CIA and these guys have always been willing to do incredibly bad shit. People say, well, it's not true anymore. I go, well, tell me what year it changed, because I'd like to know. And the answer is, I don't think it has. Hey, what, they getting deep into like Operation Mockingbird and stuff like that, or no, it's earlier than that. So so it's it's like, oh, um you know, like ex Nazis came over and oh yeah 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 so so he go they go deep into all the ex nazis that the dulles protected and 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 in particular they don't focus on the rocket scientists you know the idea we scooped up a bunch of rocky uh, rocket scientists from nazi germany makes total sense right no no one would bitch about that you get these guys over here we needed them right but he was rounding up you know concentration camp you know Leaders and shit like that. Experiments like MK Ultra. How do you psychologically torture people? Well, and and that gets to the question of what the hell is going on at Harvard, right? So yeah. so it really does appear as though the intelligence agencies have gone down to several and and not a large number of of academic institutions to to funnel their resources to to do things. And Harvard is seems undeniably one of them. Um, lately, you know, with Epstein, seems like maybe MIT uh, is in yeah. there, probably Yale, right? 
Um, but Harvard, Harvard's just got too many connections with the, the psyop shit, the, the psych experiments, the, and then you get Epstein all over the place. And so it just seems like Harvard, it's a stronghold for the, the Unabomber. Colleges. Harvard? Or yeah. The Unabomber supposedly was an MK ultra victim. Yeah. And, uh, I haven't read, I haven't read a book on MK ultra. It's tempting. I got to read a book on the other one I want to read about is the Liberty. I want to find out what happened there. Uh, the other thing I want to read about is I don't know anything about RFK's assassination. He was shot. I just know Sirhan Sirhan. Sirhan Sirhan. He's the brother that died in the plane. Oh, that was uh, JFK Jr. JFK Jr. That was his son. Yeah. That was his son. And, uh, and that one gets actually put, interestingly enough, on the Clinton body count. You go, what? How is that possible? Well, it turns out that JFK Jr. was reputed to be on the cusp of, of running for Senate in New York. Yeah, can't get in Hillary's way. And Hillary wanted that spot. And, and so I, do I give that a high probability? No. Do I give it zero? No. You know, the Clinton body counts like 160 statistically. I think some of those are probably. Yeah, it's not the Clintons per se. I don't think Hillary's, you know, screwing out a silencer and popping people, but uh, I think the Clintons hung around with a rough crowd. Yeah. And uh, Let me think about it seems that. almost clear. Yeah. Seth Rich. That would be. Uh... Seth Rich. Right. Seth Rich. You know who. Uh, you know who. Uh, Kavanaugh. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. He cut his teeth as a young prosecutor on the Vince Foster case. Which. Yeah. Oh, that just that just got weird. Well, that's the one where where Foster was tight with the Clintons. He gets popped, looks like an assassination. The Clintons clean out his apartment while the while they're invest while while they're dealing with the crime scene. While the cops are dealing with the crime scene, the Clintons are cleaning out the apartment. So so the, the, the Foster case has always been sort of the hub of the Clinton body count story. That's the biggest of the, the ones. But there's there's I, I once read a synopsis of the Clinton body count. And they, they went through each one and why it's on the list of body count. I must say that in every case, you go, hmm, that's a little too close for comfort. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure some of it's just bullshit spaghetti being thrown at the wall. And some of it looks like um, a hit. Uh, Seth Rich is certainly, you know, Donna Brazil said that she started closing her curtains after Seth Rich got killed because she thought she was going to get popped. Really? Because of yeah. what came out in the email? Yeah. And then, and then about two days later, she shut her mouth. Yeah, but she said it. I watched her say it. She said she closed the curtains on her apartment after Seth Rich got popped. She dedicated her book to Seth Rich. That's that's another thing. Like those emails, people just gloss over those, and then like with all the election, we haven't talked even got like on the potential election fraud yet. But like those emails prove that the Democratic Party was at least rigging primary elections, like literally. Yeah. Like I think all elections are rigged. Mm -hmm. I think they all are. Um, there's gonna be there's gonna be a I, under this tweet where the live stream is now. This claim, just because we mentioned election rig. This claim has been refuted. There was no election fraud. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's always there. Um, it is an opportunity for them to come up with an election system that's not broken, that's trustable. So, so you take the guy and say, hey, these guys don't believe it. Let's come up with a system where they will forget about whether the last one was rigged or not. Let's just make sure it looks airtight, right? 
there's doubts. What do we do to get rid of alleviate these concerns? Right. That's what they should be doing. I don't see any evidence they're going to do that. Leaning into it like more mail in ballots, more, more. Exactly. And I what I can't tell is if that's just the left putting their their knee on the throat of the right to pick a metaphor that's timely. Or whether both parties are OK with it. Yeah, I'm not, po- I'm not positive that that the Republicans don't like to be able to rig elections too. I don't think I don't think they're any different anymore. Like, I think they're all right. One so the one thing they all agree on is they all want to get reelected. Yeah, ninety-seven percent reelection rate in the House, supposedly something like that. Uh, that could be I could be pulling that number out of my ass, but but I that that's what comes out of my head. And so they all agree the one thing we want to all do is get reelected. We can shit all over each other, but we, we want to get reelected. I hate these people. And I know. And and uh, you ever you ever read about how AOC got put up for 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 office? Uh, no, they, I, they, they, had, they, had, they had a casting call. No, they had a casting. Yes, yes, they had a casting call. How do you? What's... So what? So what happened is I've seen an interview of her describing it. I've liked it. And so what happened is, is after Bernie got his butt kicked by the establishment, right? So Bernie got pushed to the, to the fringe in a way that looked shitty as hell. I'm not rooting for Bernie. It's not like right wingers like socialists, but he did seem semi sincere. Um, and it did look like he got screwed. And so the Bernie machine, I think, um, was pissed. And at some point actually turned towards Trump, believe it or not. But um, they got this idea that they would create this group that are now called Justice Democrats. I don't know if it's their name, but that they they were the ones who thought we're going to primary people. So they got got a lot of money behind them and they picked they found all the the guaranteed Democratic victory uh, congressional districts. Mm -hmm. For which they, the the Democrat in that position sucked, was not popular, but still could not be beat by a Republican because of the district, and they primaried him. So AOC to get to get the nomination had to get something like fifteen thousand votes. So AOC is in power not because of a big election, but because of a fifteen thousand vote primary. So they targeted those. AOC had a handler, some guy named Chandra Shakeran or something. Some, some, it's an Indian guy. He was her handler. And as soon as he got her into office, got her situated, he moved on. He's now handling someone else. He's like an avowed so socialist. What's that? He's an avowed socialist too, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh. And so so they they put the, the four horsemen women of the apocalypse into office that year, right? And uh, – and it's Omar and, and AOC and Rashida, whatever her name is. There's a fourth. I can never even think of the fourth, not even close. Um, and, and they did it by primarying. And the idea was, and so there was you, these clowns. So AOC basically to run resume to the casting hall. And she describes this on video, on video, sitting at a dining room table, talking to somebody. And he submitted a resume and she got a call. She had no idea what it was about. And they interviewed her and they said, yeah, we want to run you for Congress. A cast. They built a machine to do it. It was really a casting call. So was she like a, a starving artist living in New York, working as a bartender? She was a bartender. Yeah, she was a bartender. 
Maybe she was politically interested. Her brother said, ah, my sister should do it. I don't know that background. Maybe thought she'd be good or something, but, but she, she describes this. And, and, and now we've got AOC and, and it's clear that she is a, she meets the high standard set by Maxine Waters. Huh. That, uh, and, um, and Hank, the Hank, the Guamster Johnson, there's another rocket surgeon for you. These people, you know, are. Hank, Hank Johnson's, you know, Hank Johnson's claim. No, he, Hank was, um, drilling a general in Congress. This is all on tape. You search Hank Johnson Guam on YouTube. You'll find it. And he starts asking the general about the size of Guam and about the population of Guam. And the, the general's kind of taking some well, you know, starting around number guesses. And then Hank says, I'm worried that the population growth in Guam is getting so high that it will capsize. <laughs> capsize. So th- those are our leaders. And he's apparently famous for shit like that. He's apparently quite known for saying outlandish shit. We need to rid ourselves. But AOC no, has no shortage of stupidity. Maxine Waters, no shortage of stupidity. I'm sure the Republicans have some too. Right? Yeah, they have to. But I, Another silver lining of the last year. It seems that there's been a strong shift towards state rights. And that's like, I want to see. That might be a plus, yeah. I don't think yeah, that, that, yeah. Um, in some sense, the COVID did that, right? Yeah. Where their di- highly divergent response to it left a lot of people going, I don't want this at the national level. Um, and you, you saw yeah. a great flight out of the Northeast to Texas, Florida. I'm very bullish on this. Again, with the federal ban on fracking on federal lands, a lot of these states, particularly like Wyoming, New Mexico, they can vertically drill wells. If they can't build pipelines, just turn it into Bitcoin. They're going to roll this Bitcoin into a permanent fund. They're going to turn it around to the the federal government to fuck off. We're good. We don't need your money. I think there's going to. I think we're going to see secessions within the decade. I'm not sure that's good, but why not? Uh, okay, let's let's decentralize. I think the the negative externalities of secessions will be hard to anticipate. We need to rid ourselves of the federal government. It's, it's wasteful. I I know. No. I know. I know. I'm just saying that this this will be a this will be a bit of a soul ripping. You know, sort of like Zoom. It's like uh, COVID brought in the idea of a digital world. You know, uh, you know the the, the business business class um, air travel's gone. Who, who the hell is going to fly twelve execs to New York to sit around a table and talk? Nobody. Nobody. Nah, Nobody. Yeah. So- I, you know, before COVID showed up. Pfizer was already talking to me about doing consulting by Zoom before COVID showed up. Maybe they That's a guarantee. So I'm not going to be flying anywhere. The consultants aren't flying anywhere. These guys are going to call me, spend an hour, chat about something, move on. Yeah. And so, so business class travel has to have been nuked. So what we're seeing right now is there's a lot of euphoria over the fact that people are getting on planes again, but these are not executives. <laughs> have you seen that? Videos of all the fighting on planes. It's pretty insane. Oh, God. Aren't those crazy? That's what happens when you bring retail onto the plane in big numbers. Yeah. And in the airport, too. There's one in the terminal. Yeah. Where a brawl breaks out. It's a real brawl. Yeah. It's a real. 
Um, Born already disincentivized to go to an airport. I, you know, I don't like traveling. It's not a phobia or anything. I just find it annoying. Yeah. So if I never get on a plane again in my life, I'm fine. You get cattle herded through security. You're going. To, I, it just have to take your shit. Yeah, I got invited to spend a month in Japan by a, a a guy who controls all the scientific money, all the chemistry money in Japan. Prominent. I would have been treated like a king. I, I didn't want to go. No. I would have. I would have gotten treated so well. Been, and I didn't do it. Off of naked bodies type of well. No, I just, it would have been wine and dine. I would have been treated like a visiting potentate. Um, and uh, I've turned down a lot of trips to a lot of really nice places. Uh, my most recent trip was actually about two years ago. Even um, went to Portugal and I liked it, but I, even though I love reading history, there's something about traveling to the places. I got stranded in Bristol during the volcano. So I was in Bristol during the volcano, Bristol, England. And I just went to Starbucks and wrote papers. <laughs> right. right. I was right in, right in the like Stonehenge area or something. Right. I mean, right, all sorts of stuff. And I took a day off. We toured the countryside, but I just, I, I went and uh, go wrote to, papers. You can go to pubs? I'm not a big drinker either. Oh, yeah. So the, I, the, the drinking and the smoking, smoking pot was, was pretty much done in high school and uh, the drinking probably ended at the end of college. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't miss it. Yeah. I've probably had a six pack in 10 years. Dang. I can't say the same. Yeah. I know one who can, right? Yeah. I didn't drink wine. I haven't, I haven't drinking wine seriously since sixth grade. <laughs> Because in sixth grade, I weighed about 75 pounds. I don't know for sure, but I weighed 102 pounds at the beginning of ninth grade. So work your way backward, right? So I had to be small. I, I was booted off the football team because I was 18 pounds or something under the under the minimum weight. And uh, I wanted to be a wide receiver. Um, so I weighed about 75 pounds. I, I chugged in about two minutes a quart of sherry. Oh, Ooh. If I smell sherry to this day, it's such a PTSD moment for me. So I, I, I drank very little hard liquor after that. Very little hard liquor of any kind. It was all beer. Yeah. And then by the time I got to college and even though um, wild and crazy in high school, um, I became total geek in college. Yeah, Ivy Leaguer. No, nah, no. Nah. Well, yes, but it was because I was afraid of flunking out. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't think I could beat the kids here. They were all smart kids. Yeah. Have you been watching the, um, the college lacrosse playoffs? No, I'm not because uh, Cornell's not in them. Yeah, well, the Ivy League didn't play this year. Yeah, I know. And I don't forgive them for that either. That's like Carter boycotting the Olympics, right? It was bullshit. We didn't have to, we didn't have to do that. That's my, the one thing I don't like the way Cornell handled things. Otherwise, my, they're okay. My wife's cousin's the uh, the goalie at Penn. He was not happy that they canceled the season. And um, goalies are twisted bastards. Oh yeah, they're, they're sick. They're goal. sick. Yeah. That they're they're more twist in lacrosse, more twisted than in hockey. Hockey, you're you're protected. Yeah. In lacrosse, you're just hundred mile per hour. You know. Um, Upper ball to the shoe. Hundred mile per hour, Paul 
Paul uh, Rabel shot to the to the face mask, right? Worse to the shin or the nuts. My brother, when he played in college, he was def- a defender. And what? He, where? Uh, Bryant University. They were in the playoffs. They lost though. Um, he took a shot from a long pole who was coming down on the fast break. Had to be like 120 miles an hour, and he was standing on the crease. Took a shot to his nut. Had to uh, had to that, get a, that would that would sting. Part pig. He's part pig. So I played on a good team in high school, but but um, I was too small. I got bigger. I'm now six feet, but um, eventually my interest in doing gymnastics trumped my interest in doing lacrosse. I, I don't regret it. Um, I, I think I already told you this story. Yeah, we've been we talk this is we talk about this all the time. I know. So my high school team was good. We had we had some future All Americans on it. The future center for the Cowboys. Yeah. Used to beat me up pretty good. Yeah, it's um, reminiscing. I, I, we've talked about this before, too. I've had too many concussions. I just stopped playing. I never, I got a few concussions, none from lacrosse. I got one skydiving, I got one skiing. Um, I got one snowboarding before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The skydiving one was funny because I had this big bolt of lightning in my vision, split vision, you know, just this big vibrating mass of electricity right through the middle. And I'm packing my chute for the next jump. So I'm like 16 years old. So I'm too stupid to say, oh, you can't see. Maybe you shouldn't pack your chute and jump again. So I jumped again, right? I'm packing my chute. And I'm trying to use peripheral vision to pack it. And it was a, it was a, it was a comp. It was a, a a competition. What would you call it? It was a, a fundraiser for my instructor who died. Kind of note to self: when your instructor dies, maybe it's time to get out of the game. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe you don't hastily pack your bag, your your shoot, and get back up there. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the last time I jumped. I didn't jump too many times. I, I was thinking of getting serious and buying a serious shoot, but I, again. It was cheap. Do you want to know how cheap is? You know what I used to pay per jump? You're not going to believe this. Three fifty. Three dollars. Three three dollars and fifty cents per jump. Inflation can't do that today. Well, so I used to earn two fifty an hour carrying golf bags. So I was only paying about an hour and a quarter of time of labor. So if I carried golf bags for four hours, I could jump three times. Yeah, that's pretty good. Now you can't even jump solo without doing the tandem shit. Well, you got to get like is, 40 hours of jumping or something like that, right? Uh, I, so so now, I don't know what the rules are now. I, I know the first one's tandem. So you don't do anything. You just shit your pants. That's it. Um, when I did it, you use the static line for the first five jumps and you free fell after that. But um the static line still, you're on your own up there. So you, you put your foot out on this 12 inch by 12 inch platform. You grab the strut, you go outside the plane and you, you have to throw yourself off the plane. And, and so there, there's a certain come to Jesus flavor to that when you're outside the plane and you haven't yet thrown yourself into space. I, I highly recommend it. I, it's, it's, it's a rush. Even for it's a rush. Of What's that? Somebody who's afraid of heights. 
Well, no, I'm not afraid of heights. Um, no. I don't know. About well, you're almost not even aware of height at that point, right? It's no longer height. It's a completely different concept. Yeah. Heights, 12 feet. Right. Uh, you probably shouldn't do it, but uh, put it this way: you get your money's worth. Given you're afraid of heights, you'd probably get a special, special bonus out of it. Yeah, maybe I'd get over my fear of heights. Maybe, or maybe, maybe you'd need psychotherapy for the next twenty years. Yeah, that too. You ever see the videos of the zoomers climbing like very tall buildings and like standing on the edge? Oh, it's crazy shit that they do. Makes it's crazy me, shit that they do. Sweat. Makes me sweat. On the 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 um. Uh, the one of the guys, what's it called when you jump from roof to roof? It's parquet. Okay. Parkour. 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 Yeah, parquet. Margarine. Um, yeah, parkour. Those guys are pretty crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never wanted to do something that I was actually thought I was gonna die or even hurt myself. The, the fact that there was a finite chance of it was made of fun, but if the chance had become serious, that was not of interest to me. Yeah, but I was as a as a gymnast, that's crazy. That's pretty reckless, which is a problem. I mean, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to always be at risk in gymnastics. Um, you're supposed to learn it in a way where the risk is mitigated. One of the biggest injuries: neck injuries, ankle injuries. Well, I knew nine broken necks, uh, six broken necks. Jesus. I knew six broken necks. Yeah, one of them was my son's coach, who's eight time Moscow champion. And he, uh, my wife and my son watched him break his neck. Um, another kid in gym class just let go, dropped from the rings upside down. A um, uh, kid I knew who was significantly younger than me, I didn't know him well, um, named Casso, was on UCLA's team, and uh, he broke his neck. He came back and became Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. Like in the movies? Or, yeah, my brush with greatness was knowing Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, that's a good celebrity uh, friend to hang your hat on. Well, I, I, he wouldn't know me. The reason I remember him is he was the son, the son of one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. So, so I would not be memorable to him because our age gap was pretty big. But I knew the coach, and so, um, so just barely brush with greatness, yeah. just barely. Oh, God, Leonardo. They're remaking that movie, and people are complaining because they're tired. I didn't watch them. I didn't watch any of them. Yeah. I'm too old for those. They're remaking um, movie. Come out with a new movie. Come out with a new mutant. They they suck. And you know, the, the Hollywood can't come up with any good ideas. Now they're all just Marvel comic shit, right? They're just superheroes with a lot of computer graphic help. A lot of woke um, up technology. Um, the wokeology is just awful. How to ruin a movie? Anytime, if you're if you're making, for example, a comedy and you hire people to filter it for political incorrectness, you've already fucked up. Yeah, I mean, you can't even watch comedies anymore. Yes, you go back and watch comedy from like the early two thousands, like two thousand five, two thousand nine. Bill Burr, though, Bill Burr still got it. Yeah, he still got it. He's, I mean, he's untouchable at this point. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but um, he has not been touched at this point. Yeah. Um, the other guy I like is who's the guy who does words, 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 um, and NYU student who's got the most cerebral comedy you've ever heard. He makes physics jokes and shit. Uh, can't think of words, words, words. What's his name? Um, words, words, words. 
Words, words, words. Bo Burnham. Oh, Bo Burnham. Yeah, he's really smart. Bo Burnham. Uh, very clever. And he doesn't wait for you. It's not like, okay, let me set up the joke and tee it up for morons, right? He did bam, bam, bam. So you actually have to put on headphones to listen to him. So if you go on YouTube and you listen to Bo Burnham on headphones, you can hear his jokes better. Yeah. I mean, his songs are... Where, I mean, that, that he's like my age, I think. It was like in high school and early college is when he was dropping his like songs that he was coming up with. It was a classic, real, really brainy, brainy oh, yeah. comedy. Right. This is like one of the smartest writers in the comedy space. Right. And uh, uh, by the way, I, back to Dave Smith. He's smart. He is. He's very smart. Another one, Dave Smith. Come on the pod, bro. Let's talk Bitcoin. He won't. He won't touch Bitcoin either. I don't get it. Like all you libertarians. Dave might be getting. So I've always wanted to get on Rogan. And my students say, oh, I think we can get you on Rogan. I said, I don't think so. So Rogan and I are connected up by Twitter. Really? Uh, yeah, I got the, the coveted Rogan follow. Whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Better than that to Tanya McGrath. And Jack. <laughs> I have Jack. It, 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 playing Twitter bingo, I, I, I could win. I've got Jack, Titania, uh, Rogan, Dave Smith, a um, bunch of Wall Street guys who are prominent, but no one cares. Marty, um, Marty Ben. Yeah. Marty Ben, yeah. And uh, I got all the hodlers, thankfully. Uh, they love you, Dave. They love you. They worry. I, I don't doubt it. I run into hodlers who, who, who don't. Listen to this conversation. You will get complaints. You go, what the fuck are you talking to a guy who's a no-coiner? What the fuck are you at? You know that drill, right? Yeah. And these are just narrow-minded people. What am I not allowed and, to talk uh, What's that? I'm not allowed to talk to anybody who doesn't have Well, to- some of them think so, right? You, yeah. If you watch your comments, you see them. Yeah. And uh, I was supposed to do a podcast with a couple other prominent hodlers when I, I ended up on a late-night Twitter exchange in which the, the hodler started smacking me pretty hard. And I, I started saying, look, you guys, you're rude. You're rude, right? Um, and that's just the guys. I mean, if, if you have a great investment idea, um, you have to be willing to be feel alone. Because the, the great ideas are the guys who bought Bitcoin at a tenth of a percent, a tenth of a cent, right? Mm-hmm. The, the great idea was to buy gold when it was $260 an ounce. The great idea is to buy Microsoft when it was run by a, you know, a couple dozen wackos. And, and so, uh, but there's hodlers who, who can't stand the idea of being challenged. Yeah. And that's just stupid because if it's a good idea, you're going to get challenged till, till you're stinking rich. Yeah. If it's a bad idea, you get challenged too. That's the problem. It doesn't tell you anything. So that's the thing. I think uh, a lot of people get emotionally invested because they see it as more than an investment. Certainly is. It's a cult. The cult is there. You know, you've got the the crypto cult. There's cult ish or cult light. But it's because I think. I mean, I, I feel this way too, earnestly. Like it is one of the best tools we have to preserve freedom in the digital age that exists right now. Like very few that exist. Right. And it needs- well, so again, as we've talked about many times, I'm waiting to see if the pres- preservation of freedom works. That's that's my question. 
What would you advise any of the freaks listening to this, the hodlers, of how to best preserve or claw back some freedoms in this crazy fucked up world? Well, you mean as opposed to Bitcoin? Yeah, like beyond Bitcoin. Like, like I think, again, like I said, the oil and gas industry cucked, just letting ESG come in and be like, oh, you're terrible for the world. Like, you need to do this, that, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, right. Uh, okay. And then, like, there's just a bunch of weak bitches out there that don't want to stand up. They know that there's bullshit out there. They're just afraid to call it out. They're afraid of being canceled by the woke mob. They're afraid. Well, I'd say, first of all, grow a pair. Yeah. That's that's what I say. You know, I, I'm a conspiracy theorist and I am so fucking tired of people using that phrase pejoratively. I'm tired of using people saying that's a conspiracy theory when you're just presenting an idea. I'm tired of people using it because it's used to shut down conversation by by belittling people. And I'm I'm tired of it because the people who want to keep these ideas under wraps use it. As we know, conspiracy theory as a pejorative was invented by the CIA in 67 memo. And they've used it ever since. And so so I, I say, look, if, if you're about to tell me that men and women are conspiring, you're a conspiracy theorist. You don't have to believe the moon is made of green cheese to be a conspiracy theorist. You're believing that. People who are known to lie are lying again. And you're trying to figure out what they're lying about. Yeah. Fauci. It's a conspiracy. Fauci is a conspiracy. I'm a conspiracy. I can't stand conspiracy debunkers. To me, the term debunk means that the original idea was bad. So scientists don't debunk very often. Once in a great, great while. But a scientist doesn't debunk. debunk. They just refute an idea. But it implicit in debunk is that the idea was fucking stupid and and i don't buy that until we've seen so much shit that shows how crazy the world can be that there is no idea that's stupid until you get some data there's almost none right i think the aliens are not coming i think they're setting us up to argue about aliens what the hell's all that about i i was like a big alien guy but now that like they're all like aliens are here i'm like nope it's just it's it's all <laughs> they were they're lying every time. It's all radar. It's a Mobius, it's a Mobius lie. Um, radars. It's just like you're seeing the stuff on these tick tic tacs on radars, and it's just like that can be easily gained. Or like, oh, they're here. Well, and then the question is, why now is it the official stance of the Air Force that there's alien vessels out there? And the answer is because I don't know, COVID's over. I don't know what it is. Um, what's the next thing to get us revved up about uh, Cyber aliens? Coming to my opposition to the idea of aliens is that if you if you understand the distances they would have to travel, it doesn't make they, they didn't make it. They don't make it. They don't get here. And if they're so technologically gifted, they can get here. They don't give a shit about us. They're not flying over us, analyzing us. They're they're ten million years ahead of us. They're, so they don't care. We're just ants. You're getting uranium out of comets. You're not. They're not worried about coming. Yeah, right, right, right. They're, they don't need uranium anymore. They've invented something altogether different. Yeah. Full fusion. So, that's um, you. I got to wrap up at the top of the hour here, but like, that's the, the other, like, when we were talking about the Fed, I forgot to bring it up. 60 Minutes, Jerome Powell, a couple months ago, asked if he was afraid of credit risk or inflation running hot, said, no, I'm worried about cyber attacks. That's another. Um, Another alarm bell going off in my head. He had the Colonial Pipeline 
ransomware attack, uh, the escape right. being presented. So I know someone who's highly connected, highly connected. If I mention the connection, you go, oh, right. Let's call it the Pentagon. It's not the Pentagon, but but sort of at a level. And it's connected at a place where you say, okay, if, if there's, I have to be real careful. I'll tell you offline what it is, but I can't tell the public because I don't want the person to lose their job. Um, and he said to me one day, like March or April of that of a, a given year, he said, in October, November, you're going to start hearing about cyber attacks from Iran. And all of a sudden, we get to October, and Seymour Hersh starts writing articles about cyber attacks from Iran. Right. And and so, um, so yeah, so the Suez Canal gets blocked. Colonial Pipeline gets hit. The bridge over the Mississippi breaks. You know, it seems like a supply chain problem, right? Seems like they're trying to set us up to suffer some more. And the uh, the Mississippi um, didn't go anywhere. Colonial pipeline is sort of seems like a comfortable warning, saying you know cyber attacks are a problem. They'll pull out cyber attacks whenever they need to fuck with us. Right. It's an easy one. That's the problem. It's an easy one. So easy. It's so easy, and you do it to yourself. That's what makes it so easy. You blame it on Russia or Iran. Well, this is where, you know, the, if, if your audience who's listening, the, the three or four of, who've lasted this long, they should listen to Whitney Webb. Whitney does not pull the story together perfectly. So Whitney's like doing this jigsaw puzzle, and she's throwing the pieces out on the table and connecting some of them and stuff like that. She doesn't get the picture. I don't mean like I do. She, but she doesn't either. She just makes the connection. She just says A's connect with B's connected with C. So it's like trying to put your Oswald's history or something. And, but she's brilliant at it. And she's, she's tirelessly putting these puzzle pieces together into substructures of the picture. And so if, if your, 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 your posse, uh, uh, hasn't been listening to Whitney Webb, she did an, a recent interview with JFK Jr. And and it was clear JFK Jr. thought the world of her. RFK it was RFK. Excuse me, RFK. JFK Jr. That would be a cons- that would be a strange story. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that one? R- of- RFK. RFK. No, was that JFK Jr. was like going to be Prince President Trump? So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. So I, I'm not a big believer in QAnon either, but to the extent they exist, that's supposedly one of their stories. Yeah, that was one of their stories. The JFK Jr. was going to come out. <laughs> I, to me. I, to me, QAnon seems like a dumping ground for for hating the right. That was a psyop. Seems like, it. Uh, yeah, that's a psyop. That's exactly right. Yeah. No, the freaks are well acquainted with Whitney. She was actually on two weeks ago. Um, I think you and her actually are like one and two for most, um, like most, like most appearances. Um, yeah, I think I still hold QTR's appearance record. I told, I kept saying to Chris, um, I, I'm getting overexposed here. And, uh, you know, you know, the guys you've seen over and over and over. And after a while you go, I can lip sync them. Right. So that's, that's the risk is that, is that people just say, I, I know column shtick. I, I don't need to listen to it anymore. Think, and so, uh, I think we touched on, uh, very much new stuff in this episode. Well, you, we've spaced them out enough. And, it, you know, uh, in theory, you know, by this time tomorrow, we could have new material to work with. <laughs> Things happen fast. But but uh, 
but still you, you can get overexposed. You can have someone on too much. I kept telling Chris, I said, I was, I was going on Chris's like every three weeks or four weeks or something. You're and, uh, that point. well, there were people saying, ah, just have mine every month. I got, no, 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 no. This is, you know, I, I, I guess I could be on as kind of a co-host or something, but, um, but no, not enough material, not enough fresh material. And we didn't go deep today, right? We just, we just moaned and groaned about the world being all fucked up. I, I terribly worry about authoritarianism. So we're on the same page there. Yeah. It feels oh. all wrong to me. Grow a pair, freaks. Grow a pair. Grow a pair is exactly my advice. Grow a pair, step out of the shadows, call people out, don't be afraid, and uh, says the tenured professor. Um, yeah, I got canceled last June. I don't think we talked since then, but one of the things that taught me is I got to speak out more, not less. Yeah. Yeah. So I, after I sort of recovered, it was a, it was a beating. I mean, it was really, it was a pummeling. And, uh, but I came out of it saying, I now can't stop. Now it's a mandate. Lean in. You got to lean lean in. in. Yeah. Lean into the punch. Right. That works really well. Um, (laughs) and so, uh, you know, I'm hoping at least the cancel culture is dying. It seems to be abating. Seems to be. They're turning on themselves. Yeah, they're eating themselves. It's incredible. They're eating themselves. Yeah, they're, they're and just stupid. I think, I think people are wising up to the fact that you just weaponize it against them. You start, hey, I go by they, them. They're like, no, you don't. And it's like, yes, I do. They're like, no, you Well, don't. the other thing you realize is as long as, as long as they can't actually get a glove on you, you'll be okay. Yeah. So John McWhorter, who says, look, you call a racist, so what? Well, John, you're black. That's, start, that's a good start. But but there have been a lot of people who were box checking people, whether they're gay or black or whatever they are, who get canceled because they eat their young. They eat their own. Yeah. And I do believe cancellation is a left wing thing. Oh, 100 percent. Well, they think the right wing does it, but they think the right they think they call and shit like where they say where you oppose an idea that he ask cancellation. I go, no, cancellation is where you take some sucker who said the wrong thing and you try to destroy them. That's cancellation. I'm just going to call you an idiot and let you go about your life. And Yeah, I'll call you an idiot, right? Pinko commie dogs, you know, but then <laughs> so what? I called you a nasty name, but of course they're candy asses. Yeah. The left can throw punches. They can't take them. Exactly. So you got so to throw the punches. You got to lean That's in. That's the key. You got to lean into them. You got to cock them in, right in the chops. Just come hold, right back at them. Just hold up a mirror in front of them. Be like, you're fucking hypocritical. Like, shut right. Please and let us. So my I, my tweets occasionally pick up a pretty aggressive tone where I said if you if you say this you're an idiot right I just yeah. keep it going right keep it going someone said you're testy like I go you think really so um so yeah lean into it don't don't hide don't I get it if you are employed by someone who will fire you if you don't hide I get that but there's some people who just hide they just they don't want to be an outlier and that's just cowardice yeah. Stop being cowards, freak. Not saying that you all. But, are. but there are some people do have to preserve jobs. Yeah, yeah. But look right. for one if that's like a place where they're going to do that. Right. I don't know. But tenured professors are getting fired. I actually don't think they're fired as much as they're agreeing to get fired. So I think if a tenured professor gets a load of guff, it is their cowardice that allows them to be fired. You know, someone said, Dave, we're going to we're going to 
let you go. I'm going to say, you're going to have a fight. Yeah. And, and it's, it's going to be ugly. And it's going to be public. And I know this many fucking journalists. I know this many famous people. And I know this many trustees. And I know this many prominent head for manager. By the way, one of your alums is the former president of Microsoft. And I know him too. So I'm going to fuck you like a dog. <laughs> That's what I would do. I mean, I would just come back swinging. Bring it. But Cornell's been good, actually. I, I, I don't have a complaint about Cornell. I, I think they've stood behind free speech. They denounced me. I was denounced by the chief of police, for Christ's sakes. The letter signed by the president, the provost. The dean was missing because he hated the whole idea, I think. But they include the vice president and the chief of police for supporting the cops. I'm going, oh, that was precious. Oh, yeah. It was the, uh, the old guy. Who got the put- buffalo shove. Yeah. Yeah, he faked it. The whole thing was fake. Yeah. The entire thing was fake. That's all because he had been like arrested for protesting and like antagonizing the past. But not just that. There's pictures, there's videos of him talking about going to get punched in the face. There's a picture of him behind the ambulance talking on his cell phone. There's, there's CNN couldn't get to him. Only his lawyers would talk to them. The whole thing was fake. The whole thing. So, so the gist was that the chief of police signed a letter denouncing me for supporting the cops against a fake, fake assault. You ever see him like in the supermarket and just be like, "Hey, dude, fuck you." Nice. No, uh, you know, I don't live in Buffalo. Um, I wouldn't likely. Oh, that chief of police it wasn't even like your local chief of police. No, no. Oh, oh, the chief of police. No, I think the chief of. It was during a period when the cops were taking such a beating that that was Cornell's effort to say, "Don't go dragging our cops into it." So Cornell just put him on there to try to disarm police hatred. So I didn't have a problem with it, actually. And I've met him since then. And the only thing I said to him, I said, as you know, I'm a big supporter of the police. <laughs> <laughs> and I talked to a couple of cops who I, one had to let, let me in my office because I fucked up and locked my keys in. And I said, by the way, remember that guy got his ass kicked last June? He said, you mean the guy I had to clean all the graffiti off the wall? And I said, yeah. I said, that's me. He said, well, thank you. So I said, tell Honan, by the way, I forgive him for signing that letter. It was just a way to keep the mob from going after the cops, which they were at that moment in time it was June of 2020. Yeah. So they were, they put the cop on to say, don't pick on the police here. So no, it was no problem. I didn't have a problem with it. And the provost is a friend of mine. The guy, one of the guys who signed is a friend of mine. The mob can make people do irrational things. I'm- well, so what it did is they got their pound of flesh and it all went away. So, so Cornell's plan worked perfectly. Yeah, they denounced me and then poof, it went away. Minneapolis can't say the same thing. Nope. There's a lot of places that are still pretty fucked up. I just read an article about Portland. What a catastrophe that place is. What they've done to their school district. It's it's like Stalin high. I can't believe they just let those Antifa like bombs just run around and dictate. Well, not just that, but the but the entire city seems to be populated with socialists. Oh yeah, it's like a. Soul. I think if you're a right winger, you don't live in Portland. Uh, you just don't stay there. I doubt there's any. Why would you? I don't know. There might be a reason, but um, you certainly wouldn't go out of your way to be there. No. So the school districts are filled with just filled with the debris that we all hate. Not all of us, but you and I and your 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 freaks. You have to just the critical race theory and crap like that. Yeah. Once again.
states rights coming back. You got DeSantis. Yeah, I'd vote for DeSantis. I'd vote for Dave Smith first, but yeah. Yeah, the libertarian, like libertarians, losing proposition. So I want to vote. Like, stop voting. Let's stop fighting within this system. Let's take the power of the purse away. I just want to see Dave get get the public forum. I do as well, Dave. It'd be fun to see him standing with thirteen other guys in some party battling him. Right. He'd eat him. He would do a Tulsi Gabbard on their ass. They'll never let him on that stage. I know they won't. I know they won't. He wouldn't go on it because he wouldn't do the Republican or or Democrat compromise. Is we've got to turn within. Let's like we just walk away from these people. We can build like another society built on state rights, Bitcoin, gold, if if you wish. Goldlers and hodlers. I mean, it's just. I'm warning you, Dave. The Bitcoin is going to come in and tell you how. Gold's going to get demonetized. Bitcoin Tina is going to hop into your mentions. That's Gold isn't monetized now. It's store value uh, as a value. Yeah, I think they're full of shit. <laughs> the freaks, the freaks are losing their minds on that one. I think the two can coexist. If if only one survives, I don't think it's you guys. I got some gold right here. So. All right. So you're already locked down. You've already given up all. You know the joke about the guy who uh, the guy who brings his friend home and his wife's really pissed off at him. He said, "You bring your friend home. She's got her curlers on. She's bitching. She's ragging him. She's ripping him from head to toe." And she says, "Why would you bring him home without warning me?" And he says, "He's thinking about getting married." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, were- yeah, yeah. Boom. <laughs> I have been there before. <laughs> Strong. We've all been beat. We've all been beaten up mercilessly by our by this by she who must be obeyed. After uh, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out these relationships where the guys in charge. This, this is a complete foreign concept to me. Passive aggressive was invented by guys who've lost all authority to make a decision. Passive aggressive occurs when your wife tells you to do something and you don't agree with it, but you got to do it. Yeah, that's what passive aggressive. I'm pretty stubborn. This is a, a zenith, zenith. I'm glad my wife doesn't listen to my podcast. I think my wife may not make it this far into this podcast. So, love you, honey. In case you're here, <laughs> the next podcast will be no ring. <laughs> <laughs> he really is an okay guy. Just in case you're listening, and right. my wife and I've been married for 36 years, so. And she's a total lefty. Yeah, that's what. Um, not a nutball. Not a nutball. That's that's good. Have some balance. Yeah, yeah. My youngest son's like me. My oldest son's like her. Okay, I like that the old rebel, Re- rebel right. young. Man. And she was a rebel too. So she was a. She tried to levitate the Pentagon with the other hippies and shit like that. So she had her. <laughs> she lived in a commune. She knew Joan Baez and Steve Jobs. She knew Wells Kelly and all these famous. She knew Huey Lewis. She knew uh, she knew Ricky Jay. She knew all this 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 cult cult artsy crowd from the sixties. Sounds like a, somebody who knew how to party back in the day. She did, but she's pretty geeky now. Yeah. Well, she's married she's to pretty you. Pretty geeky now. She was geeky before that. I don't know. I, I picked a breeder or something. I think when you get married, when you finally you go after hot racy women and when it's finally time to go, it's finally time to 
to jump in the pool. You go, I need a mother now. I need a mother of my children. I think that's what your brain does. You look for a breeding partner. I got a, I've got a good mother of my child and hopefully children. Definitely picked, picked uh, my partner very well in those regards. In all regards. I love you, honey, if you're listening. Oh, look at that. He's lying his ass off. Miss, Mrs. Hodler. Oh man, Mrs. Hodler, you're in so much trouble now. The fact that the fact your new nose grew on that one, Dave. Dave. Don't worry, the next one will be better. You're gonna get me. In trouble. <laughs> uh, this has been fast. I always tell my wife about getting the trophy wife. I said, yeah, if you go, don't worry, I'll get married. I'm getting a trophy wife. Yeah, one she- time, she said to me, she was in a deep funk. She says to me, for reasons I don't understand. You know, if you ever cheated on me, I'd understand. Oh my gosh. What's what's the appropriate response to that? What uh, do you say to that? What are you talking about, honey? There you No, I said, Really? <laughs> I actually did that. I, she says, No, and I said, Then what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I, I just couldn't pass on it. I just couldn't let that softball go by. Right. So I just I just gripped it and ripped it. Ah, oh, over the fence. Uh, yeah, you gotta take that advantage of that. Really? Yeah. Right. Awesome. Oh my, really? I'll be back tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah, what's it? Yeah. When she goes away, she spends a month up in the Adirondacks by herself communing with nature. And I always say, yeah, I bring in the strippers and shit. I'm always, I can't get her to blink now. Uh, she used to not like when I said, but she wanted me to say derriere. And I go, it's a fucking but. What are we talking about here? Right. And she's totally given up on all that. And she now gets it. And I've, I've, I've roughened her up. Yeah. I've won the battle. If I buy her flowers, she's stunned. So I've totally won that battle. Well, I'm still, I'm still fighting my battle. Please don't uh, bury me before, before I win. Well, if, if you're sending flowers to your wife, she's got one up on my wife because my wife can. If I ever sent her flowers, she'd think that I did something wrong. Oh, that's one thing I, my mom always says. Apparently, my dad wasn't romantic, so she asked me to buy my wife flowers. Please. Yeah, don't. well, I'm not romantic, so I don't buy her flowers. <laughs> um. But when I do, I've got her right there. And the real killer is she can't remember our anniversary. So I'm off the hook. You know how many marriages were destroyed by a by a husband who couldn't remember the anniversary? Oh, man. My my wife can't remember it. I've got a double whammy. My wife's birthday is like four days after our anniversary. So we got to celebrate that and then roll into the So day. I use my wife's birthday as my password. Oh, well, Dave. That gets you... That that works. Then you don't forget it. Well, yeah, you don't you don't advertise that to the world though. Well, it's not using it anymore. Now I have totally different passwords. Right. That's only my fidelity password. <laughs> <laughs> my social security number is <laughs> well, a lot of hackers who listen to this podcast. You gotta be careful. You know, the hackers, I used to think the hackers would get to my computer and find my passwords. I had no idea. It has nothing to do with getting to my computer and finding my passwords. It's just, I, you know, pretty much, I bet you everyone uses about five passwords. Google knows all your passwords. They do. If you use a Chromium or a Google based browser, Google probably owns whatever it is you think is not Google. Yeah, that's true. So, so what you should use is Brave. Do you use Brave? I do use Brave. Brendan Ike invented Brave. So one day I'm asking for a for a a, a, a ad blocker for Firefox, and Brendan chimes in. He wrote Firefox, 
He chimes in, he's telling me which ad block he says, but try Brave instead. And I go to Brave and I find out he wrote Brave. He made Brave, but he also made Java. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So one day I couldn't get my Outlook to work and my friend was helping me with Outlook. And again, this was one of those funny digital moments. He was the guy who was president of Microsoft. He's right below Bomber, named Steve Sanofsky. So here I am getting Outlook help on Twitter from the president of Microsoft. I go, you don't get higher up the food chain than that. No. That's it. That's, that's top of the food chain. It's good to know he knows I, the product. Well, he didn't. He actually ran into a snag. He also showed me a great screen grab of a lab report he wrote as an undergrad here. That's where I first met him. And he had used one of these old Commodores or something to write this lab report. And my colleague, who's still a colleague, writes, presentation is great, content is shit, C minus. I saved I saved that screen grab. That's a, that's a legendary screen grab. It looks good, but uh, it's pretty shit when you actually dig into it. Right, right, right. So I don't know. I've given up. I used to worry about the privacy of the Internet. Now I'm just worried about the freedom issue, about yeah. when they're going to shut me down. We're working on it. We're, we're working on it. We're building the, the distributed self-hosted content models. Now you have, now you have my attention. Yeah. What, uh, you're on Twitter. Any other chat boards? Uh, so. Yeah, Gab or anything? I have a Gab account. I don't, tra- I don't. But you haven't used it though. I'm not like a right wing Christian hardcore. It's like most. Yeah, that's the problem. That's, um, I mean, I'm a Christian. That is the problem. Right, but I'm not like that. I have nothing against it, but a sea of, a sea of thumping noises, right? Yeah. Um, I, I like the polydenominational chatboards. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I like the diversity of Twitter, even though it is censoring more and more. We're gonna, I'm going to get kicked off. I'm going to get kicked off. I've set my, my cell been, phone around. Like the last couple of months, there has been any, like crazy. No, they had to do it after the Trump election. Look, I got to go too. I'll let you go back to your wife. She's Make gone. Amends. I got a night. Oh, okay. We're painting. Well, I have to take a piss. I have to take a piss. Hopefully you don't have any uh, kidney stones this time around. I have bladder stones. Right now? Mm-hmm. God damn it. All right. So we're out of here. Thank you. Tell the hodlers to leave me alone. Uh, I'll, I'll try. But Say hi. Say hi. Say hi to the hodlers. I will. Reach, right. reach out. Adios. <laughs>